you for tuning in to episode 12 of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host. Um, I apologize. Uh, I'm a little late on this episode. I'm a day late, and I know I said I was going to come out with a, uh, a rant episode, but as it seems, <laughs> I think I, I think I took relaxing to the max uh, after my job. I had the um, I had just finished a project, and I'd had maybe one or two days off for the past two months. So then, once the um, once the job was finished and the project was over, I took um, took a week off, and I was initially going to record. <laughs> you know, you'd think I'd take the time to um, <clears throat> excuse me, you think I'd take the time to maybe get a lot of guests on and line some stuff up, but <laughs> as it turns out, I ended up just. Uh, I got one interview with Mike Sigroy, who that's this this episode is actually. So uh, I apologize again because this one's late. But and then I did a couple other things. I, I just started the uh, hit the tip of the spear for the LNA special I recorded with, uh, you know, my good buddy Darren over at Fourth Line Voice, and then of course my favorite guy across the pond, John Searson, who is a big hockey fight fan over in the UK, who actually went to some LNA games. So yeah, kind of it was supposed to be productive, but at the same time, man, I. I, I wasn't productive at all. We'll just put it that way, man. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so uh, like I said, this episode's a little late coming out. It's a day late and I didn't record the, uh, the rant episode. I was supposed to have one in the chamber ended up not just, just like I said, I just got lazy. It was just, I was just too busy joining time off. Um, so I apologize for anybody. I might hype that up a little bit, but it, it, I'm sure everybody would rather hear fucking Mike Segroy than my stupid drunk ass rambling. But also a quick reminder, though, the Five for Fighting podcast is a proud partner of the 2019 Mustache Classic ice hockey outing that benefits men's cancer and suicide prevention in cooperation with the Movember Foundation on November 16th, 2019 at Danbury Ice Arena in Danbury, Connecticut. We are joined in partnership by Champion Elevator, Roosters Hockey Wax, Boost Oxygen, Sprig CBD sodas, two for roughing designs, Grand Supply Company, the FHL's own Danbury Hattricks, and well, actually FPHL now, and TK's American Cafe. So that's you know that's coming up here in the uh, the next month. Lily, what? It's about a month out. By the time this episode comes out tomorrow, that'll be exactly a month. So um, good for Matt who reached out for me. He's kind of putting the whole thing on. And, um, you know, kind of asked me to be a meetup partner for it. And no, there's no, this, it's not like a paid advertisement or anything like that. But, um, as soon as I got, um, as soon as you reached out to me, it, it means a lot kind of doing this for men's, uh, health and, you know, um, suicide prevention. Cause you see a lot of it, especially in the military where that's the background I come from. Like I said, I joined right out of 18. So I've seen it all. Um, as far as kind of mental health wise, I never actually ended up going to combat, but I had, um, had leaders, everything like that. who kind of dealt with it. So, um, as soon as the opportunity came, absolutely, man. So I love what Matt's doing. So definitely go check that out. You can actually find him at the mustache classic on Instagram. And I believe, I can't remember if there's a Facebook page, but, um, if you just search mustache classic on Instagram, you'll find it and you can find, um, find a lot of stuff on it and, Every day, it seems like somebody else new is joining, which is fucking awesome. I think the first player, actually, that was a um, partner for it was Trevor Gillies. And for many of, the, or many of you know, obviously, Trevor Gillies, big-time enforcer. So that was awesome to see uh, Gillies in there. So, again, Matt, I really appreciate you reaching out to me and um, allowing me to kind of promote the uh, the Mustache Classic charity game. So it's, it's fucking awesome, man. Keep, uh, keep on doing what you're doing. I think it's going to be great. Wish like hell I could make it. I'm still going to try to by the skin of my teeth, but uh, I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. But nonetheless, just keep on doing it, man. It's fucking, it's fucking great. 
and you got a lot of raffle prizes already and a lot of involvement. I know you just raised some money as well, so it's all been good so far. And um, yeah, so it's um, <laughs> it's funny. I was able to get Mike for, um, or excuse me, I was able to get Mike as a guest from uh, Darren over at Fourth Line Voice. Sorry if I sound kind of winded. I just got back from I, my fat ass got back in the gym for the first time tonight, so I'm fucking dying. But um, so yeah, my buddy Darren over at Fourth Line Voice, he was actually supposed to be the one to interview Segroy, but it's just um, we'll put it this way: when you're not spitting chiclets, it's hard to get people on, and not in the sense that they don't want to come on because Segroy was definitely down for sure, but when we're doing this as like a hobby and it's something I want to talk about too. Um, this is kind of just like a hobby for us. And you know, we do take it serious. Obviously if you hear the, I can't tell you all the research that actually goes in line by line, looking through teammates over and over. Uh, if there's no drop your gloves, fight card, you always got to look it up on YouTube and just hopefully see who they fought and ask them about it. So there's actually a lot of, it, it may not seem like, but there's a lot of time that goes into this. So, um, but the timeline just wouldn't line up because Mike's over, he's over here in Florida and, uh, you know, fourth line voice is out there in Saskatchewan. So timelines just were, it's, it's hard to line up because, you know, players, everybody's got their own lives. Obviously I'm not saying, Oh, fuck you for not coming on the show. No, that's not what I'm saying at all, but it's just, if we're not, we're just doing this for the fun of it. So we have real jobs and shit. And then we got to try to line this up. So it's a little bit hard. And, you know, sometimes guys will cancel last minute and it's kind of, it's, it can be frustrating. And that was one of the things that I was talked to, or excuse me, talked to about, uh, or talked about with Darren, I should say, before I started, when I called him beforehand, starting the podcast, you know, talking about it, he's like, it's one of the funnest things you'll ever do, but it's also one of the most frustrating things you'll ever do. And it's true because lining up guests is a little bit hard. You know, I, every player that's come on, I thank you. And every player that said they were willing to come on, I thank you because it's, um, like I said, we're not spitting chiclets, and we may not have the biggest pub or excuse me publicity, but I think the the people who listen actually really appreciate it more than kind of most people would, because everybody that typically listens to this, obviously our audience is a little bit small when we do this stuff, but excuse me, um, everybody that does listens typically seems to like it because it's 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 a forgotten game. Um, the, the, the way hockey's gone, it's all different now. So it's a forgotten game. So the ones who do still appreciate it uh, really enjoy listening. But it is hard to get guests. And when you kind of make plans and you kind of get ducked on by by guests, it is um, frustrating, <laughs> to say the least. Because, like I said, we got our own jobs, man. We Fuck, I got a fiancé. And, hell, even the other night just recording with uh, Darren and uh, John. I, I was probably in here more than I was out there with her, you know, it's, you know, she knows it, but of course it's frustrating at times too, but it's just, uh, I guess co common courtesy, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to sound like a, like bitchy or ranty, but just know if, if, if you do agree to come on you kind of keep ducking and ducking. And if you don't want to come on, just say it straight up. Uh, like, you know, Hey, you know, thanks for asking me, but blah, blah, blah. I don't want to. And I've had somebody do that for me. And it's, I'm not going to motherfuck them. If they don't want to come on, they don't want to come on. And, you know, even after they said they didn't want to come on, we've still messaged back and forth bullshitting. It's not, it's not that big of a deal. But when you kind of say you're going to come on and you end up pushing back, pushing back, regardless if it's a player or a fan, um, it's just, it's frustrating. And so I know, um, 
I know some of my other uh, my my partners in crime with podcasting have kind of dealt with it. I've had it just a little bit yet, but I'm just still dipping my toes, and everybody I've had on so far has been great. So uh, I just just know where we're kind of coming from, and if you kind of if you ever hear like episodes like that, it is it's more work than you probably think. I knew it was going to be a lot of work going into the podcasting thing, but is it's kind of eye opening a little bit when you actually start doing everything and putting everything together. I mean, like this, fuck, I, I'm doing this right now at nine at night because I was supposed to do it yesterday, ended up getting busy at work and came home and we had to go get shit for the house. And I didn't want to just get shit and just be like, Oh, Hey babe, you know, thanks for getting shit. Fuck you. You gotta go do podcasting. Like "Ah, I've been, been doing this a lot lately. So, um, well, at least on the weekend, and while, like I said, I was off all week last week, so she was at work, which is, again, probably fucking my fault for not taking the uh, taking the time to actually do all that shit. But anyway, I think I'll uh, I'll kind of end my little my little rant session there on that. But uh, I think you guys will enjoy this episode with Mike. He fought. It was funny. You'll hear me. I'm going through his fight card. I was able to pull up his drop your gloves while uh, or through the wayback machine. And I'm looking through it, and it's just animal after animal he's fighting. It's fucking ridiculous. And we talk about it all, man. Mike was fucking awesome. We go off the rails a little bit at one point, but like I said, if I have a guest on and we go off the rails and we start going off the path of their career, I don't give a fuck. You know, this is <laughs> this is it's fun talking about all that shit. Um, and it doesn't have to be like there's a layout to the show, but there's not a layout to the show. You know, there's things I want to get to and talk to, and sometimes you don't always get to talk about it. But then when you start going off the rails and just start creating conversation organically, it's fun, man. It, it really is. It's it, it's what I keep doing this for. It's why I enjoy doing this. And, you know, I know this is only 12 episodes in, but at the same time, it's it's still been a lot of fun. You know, fuck, here I am interviewing Mike Segroy. I got to interview my a childhood player that I grew up watching uh, in the last interview with Mark McFarland, Yablonski, everybody. But, um, yeah, so it's all been, it's all been fun, but... Um, yeah, so I'll end it there. I'll get a quick plug in for all my my fellow partners in crime in the podcasting world. The only ones that I listen to, um, and that's going to be, of course, as I've talked about many times, Darren over at the Fourth Line Voice. Check his out. Just out of the episode with Chris Graff, and I know he's coming out with another one soon here. Um, and then William, William just had a fuck. Damn it! I know he just came out with an episode today, and I've been slacking on listening to podcasts too. But William over at the Biscuit just had one drop today with a. Uh, it was another fighter, and fuck William. I'm sorry. I'm a I'm a fucking douche for uh, <laughs> not knowing who the fuck it is. And then of course, uh, get the gate podcast. It's the one current podcast I like. Them and Obey the Puck Show. Those are about the only two I listen to um, for my current stuff. So definitely give them a listen. Hell, I like I like um, get the gate for those stat nerds out there. They just did an episode on what Corsi is. And if we're being honest here, I kind of had no clue what the fuck it was because I just I think the Stats are one thing, but when you get to the advanced stats, that's when shit starts getting off the fucking rails, and it starts, it doesn't even matter, because at that point, you know, it's just like, uh, it's almost overkill with numbers, and I think it's getting less away, or you're getting more away from the game, and blah, 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 and they kind of dive into it, and it was, it was a great episode, love to listen to it, so, uh, yeah, there's my, there's my plugins for all my fellow podcast buddies out there, but anyways, without further ado, you came here for Mike Segroy, so I'll be done yapping here. I've already fucking talked to you off for about 11 and a half minutes, so here's Mike Segroy, everybody. Hope you enjoy. This should be good. This should be very good. Hello, everybody, and on the Five for Fighting podcast, we have today's guest for the 12th episode, Mr. Mike Segroy. He managed to rack up 2,021 career penalty minutes, and that's not including two seasons, which aren't trackable. 
but nonetheless, <laughs> still a lot. <laughs> uh, unknown. <laughs> exactly. How you doing today, Mike? Good, man. How you doing? Good, man. Good. Um, you know, I, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on the show. I know my buddy Darren wanted to get you on, but his with his over there and uh, on Sam Squinch time out there in Saskatchewan, it's hard to uh, line up times over here in the East Coast. <laughs> mm, I hear that. I hear that. Absolutely. So I appreciate him letting me interview you too. So that's a that's a plus, you know, bonus feed feed my show over here. But uh, you know, before we get into your career, man, uh, you know, I see you very active on Facebook and everything you're doing. But what are you up to now after uh, pro hockey? Yeah, my life's pretty full right now, and it's uh, it's as good as it's ever been. I'm I'm training kids and professionals, two sports that I love doing the most, uh, and that's uh, MMA and hockey. So. Um, I mean, I'm full-time. I'm seven days a week. I work the holidays. Um, I have over 100 clients one-on-one. Um, I coach a couple of hockey teams. My kid is eight years old, so he's been able to coach his team. Uh, and I'm also a striking coach at one of the top MMA gyms in the world, Fusion XL. That's awesome, man. And, um, you know, it's, I think it's really good what you're doing with kids and everything like that. And, you know, you post videos every day whether it be in the garage training or on the ice. And, you know, it's a lot of good <laughs> yep. stuff going on. And, you know, props to those kids for doing it in the garage because I've worked out in the garages down here in Florida, and it's it's fucking hot. <laughs> oh, it ain't, fun. it ain't fun. We make it hard for some of those kids, though. We make it hard. <laughs> uh, you got to, man. Somebody needs to these days. It's pretty easy for kids these days, I think, eh? That's a fine line you got to walk, but I do, you know, that's one of the things I, I pride myself on is being able to be encouraging uh, and tough as shit on the kids. So and the parents really appreciate that. The old school mentality, like, believe me, I'm not, I'm not advocating for how soft society is today, believe me, but the old school mentality of only hard nose, fuck off, get in your face, do another, you know, that kind of stuff. When it comes to developing kids, that's how you train professionals. When you develop kids, if they're having a good time and you're still hard and stern on it, but you're encouraging, it helps their development tenfold. So that's something that's definitely very apparent over the last 20 years. Absolutely, man. Like you said, it's that it's that fine line of you know being stern when you have to, and then you know encouraging them when you need to as well. And you know having the right yeah, no coach growing up. No participation trophies, or I'm not I'm not saying any of that. You don't. Uh, <laughs> you know, and really, what it boils down to is you have. You've got to make sure everybody, even the pros, I hold them to the same same standards. You know, attitudes and efforts. You know, people are going to make mistakes when they make mistakes. Uh, you know, if, if they're if they're honest ones and they're ones where there's effort and attitude involved, then uh, you know you're just you're just fucking up somebody's development if you come down on people and they know they fucked up. So now they're not putting in the effort in, or if there's other reasons that you know they could have controlled. Uh, you know, and then that's a different story. So absolutely, man. Well, you were born in uh, Toronto, so did you grow up mm-hmm. typical typical Canadian kid? You know, you were born with uh, yeah. with skates and a stick in your hand, or did hockey kind of come <laughs> a little bit later? Yeah, that's, that, that, that's about as typical as it gets for, for my family and I. <laughs> but yeah, I grew up in Toronto, um, but I left Toronto when I was five years old and went to Calgary. Uh, and, and I think Calgary is maybe even a bigger hub than Toronto for hockey. And that was, uh, not, not, I mean, obviously there's a lot of players, but... There's nothing else in Calgary. There's no basketball. There's no There's nothing. Toronto's got a bunch of different things. Right. Calgary, Alberta, hockey, hockey, hockey. Absolutely, man. Um, so you started off in the AFHL. How did that kind of come about? I played in so many leagues, I honestly don't even know what, what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the AFHL, which one was that? I don't know. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, the American West Hockey League is apparently is what it is. The oh eight? yeah, that this is called the old Frontier League. That's right. In junior, you're talking about my junior, junior career, or pro career. Uh, junior. This is junior A hockey. 
Yeah, yeah. I used to be called the Frontier League. I actually played for Vail, Colorado at 15. I think I was 15 years old. So I was. Uh, I had moved down to Florida when I was 13. Um, played a year of juniors at 13 in Florida, and uh, hockey hadn't developed like it has now down down here. And uh, um, by 14, my parents and I we had sat down and discussed. And I, I was actually a pretty good player when I was younger. <laughs> so uh, we knew that if I was going to further my hockey career, that we would have to be back in Canada because uh, that was the only place I had had I had in contact. So I ended up moving back there uh, for my 14th, and then halfway through my 15th, I went quick for for Dale, Colorado. Gotcha. Start. <laughs> yeah, hockey. Hockey's definitely come a long way down here in Florida because I, I grew up loving hockey my whole life. You know, I started out in the um, in the Midwest, and then we moved down to Florida when I was about three. And I don't remember going to it, but there was a Jacksonville Lizard Kings team in the ECHL that um, <laughs> that yeah. that apparently was our first first pro hockey game we went to down in Florida. I don't remember it because I was so young, but we grew up watching the Mallards all the time. And you know the way hockey. There was a league called. There's a league called the the Sunshine yep. State League, and it was just an absolute disaster. Oh yeah, I've interviewed a couple it guys was on that like league. Kind of like a Quebec major league, but not not quite as not quite as skilled, I think. But <laughs> there's some some wild games in that league. Absolutely, man. Yeah, that that was the team where that uh, that league was just a fucking gong show, man. Who was it? I think it was yeah. Degurs who played there, and he ended up he, he was riding a moped or something or like a dirt bike on the beaches before the games out there in Daytona. <laughs> oh, I miss those days where you could do whatever you wanted. Oh <laughs> yeah, right. Plastered everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! Well, we'll dive right into the uh, the um, you know the pro, the minor pros of hockey. So we'll start in the ECHL. But you know, before we kind of get into that a little bit, uh, did how did you kind of adapt into the uh, the enforcer role, the fighter role? Was it something that you kind of liked? You always liked fighting growing up, or did you kind of get pushed into it by a coach a little bit, or how did that come about? <laughs> that sir is a lengthy question. <laughs> um, I have some I have some complex dynamics <laughs> in my personality, but. Um, I was actually like the softest kid in the world until I was about 13 years old. And then when puberty hit, it was the fucking weirdest thing in the world. I was like, you know, the apple of my mother's, ah, oh, he's just such a sweet boy. And all this <laughs> testosterone just fucking flooded my veins at 13. Um, and it was, uh, it was crazy that, and I didn't have any idea. My parents didn't know what the fuck to do. I was like, smart kid doing all kinds of, you know, you know, I was most talented. I was on top score playing a year up, you know, playing a year ahead of myself in Calgary, Alberta is not, not easy to do. And then all of a sudden, it was just a complete 360 um, of who I wanted to be. And right from then, you know, we grew up pretty privileged. My, my, my mom and dad had a lot of money. It was, it was a weird thing because usually people in that position don't love fighting. So I, uh, I was enamored with it, everything, even off the ice, everything, martial arts, everything. I was just enamored with it. And it took quite some time to channel that into the right direction. Um, my mentor... Uh, and best friend, big brother, Tony Curtali, uh, who coached the Texas Tornadoes, played a million years in the, in the pro, so in the NHL. Um, he, he's, he's the one that channeled, channeled that fire, that drive into, into a, hey, let's, let's turn you into a professional fighter because you got too much fucking fire. We got to do something with this. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, man. I mean, that's one way to do it. <laughs> it's a, those fucking hormones got to you, man. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> um, so, well, before you actually got into Toledo, you were, you were in Detroit. Was it would, it, would it have been a rookie camp at that point or a training camp? Uh, it was a, another strange story there. Yeah. So, Kukali ended up, he's got so, so many connections. He ended up calling up Ken Holland, who was the GM of, of, of Detroit at that time, and said, listen, this kid slipped through the cracks. <laughs> they looked me up. They're like, look at my stats. And 
they saw I had 50 goals in my last year of juniors and uh, and then went and played six games in the CCHA and you know didn't do or the hockey East, I should say with, with Lowell and, but I didn't do anything in college I only had like four games or something I didn't do anything and, uh, and they're like really and this is <laughs> the power of the word right like he he really put his his name on the line his reputation on the line for me um, and they said okay come on so I went to rookie camp my very first I went on the ice to practice, you know, so I had a little bit of skill. Uh, my very first game was against Darcy Hordeskuk, and uh, who ended up being a really good buddy of mine lately. We uh, after that, but we ended up having a, a hell of a scrap. And uh, I, but I split him open really, really big in that first fight, and that set the tone for me going to main camp, leading all rookies in main camp and scoring with Sean Avery and and, and Brown on my on the side. It was crazy. And then I played five exhibition games without even essentially having even a college career playing tier two before that. So well, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I think uh, I think that Darcy Hordachuk fight of with you and uh in that camp, I think it's out there on YouTube. I think I posted it before. Um yeah. but uh you said you were with Sean Avery. What was it like with Sean Avery? Exactly what you would expect. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what you would expect as a rookie. Him and I and we were you know, we were kind of we played together in all of our preseason games funny part is we played in Columbus's franchise opener, like the first game they ever played in the Columbus building. And uh, it was like the last couple minutes of the game, and I, I didn't have a fight yet. No one was fighting me, and fuck, I couldn't figure out what to do. And I'm like, fuck, there's just no way. I'm going to maybe play my only NHL game. I don't know, and I'm just grabbing somebody. There's guy, the biggest guy on the ice, had a Donnie Brooks. And, uh, and Avery ends up getting getting lit up pretty good and, and, uh, at the center ice. And the next day, the newspaper got our name switched up. And I was I was furious. It was like Mike Stroy got pumped. Oh yeah, just Stroy got dummied oh, center ice. <laughs> oh my god, it was awful. I was mortified. It was like my only NHL game, and you know, I always take everything like to be my last day on it. So I was just mortified. But yeah, that uh, and that was just the on ice stuff. So. But, <laughs> right, I'm sure there's a lot of on our uh, off ice antics with you, Sean Avery, too. <laughs> Twenty years ago, I was a little different of a guy. <laughs> oh right. <laughs> Well, you ended up in uh, in Toledo after that. Um, how did that kind of happen? Did you just get sent down and said, you know, we'll maybe develop you here a little bit more, or um, you know, yeah, how did that go about? It was wild. I got sent down from Detroit. I played I played two games with Detroit uh, with the Red Wings preseason, and then uh, I'm walking out with Avery. We got sent down. Babcock was coaching. Mike Babcock was coaching the Mighty Ducks back then, uh, the, yep. the the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks in the American League. So we're walking out. You know, I'm I'm just like, fuck, this is awesome. Two games in the NHL. Walking out with my bags, you know, Holland and uh, and Smith had sent me down. And I'm walking out of the Joe Louis Arena with Avery. We're going to ride it. And Scotty Bowman's walking by me the other way. And, you know, he's just a frightening human because he just tries to have that presence all the time, you know. So, you know, he's just flexed the bag a little tighter and just hoping. And he goes, Scroy? And I was like, yeah. He goes, 67. I was like, yep. He goes, you're on the ice in 45 minutes. <laughs> and he just kept walking. And I looked over to Sean Avery, and Avery goes, fucking go, dude. <laughs> I ran back, played three more exhibition games with Detroit, and then uh, got sent down to Cincinnati to uh, play for Babcock uh, for a couple of games. I didn't uh, didn't really care for him too much. Um, and uh, then got sent down to Toledo. But that was a bit of a mess back then, too, so. Well, it seems it seems like the consensus with uh, Mike Babcock is, uh, you know, either, either love him or hate him, it seems like, you know. So. Yep. Yeah, he's just constantly. I mean, even in the two games, or you know, a couple weeks out was there. He, just, he likes playing mind games, but he's just, he's just very aggressive with it. And... 
<laughs> some interesting angles. That's all. Right. Uh, well, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in Toledo, man, and you know, you're. I was luck. I'm fortunate enough. I was able to manage to uh, get your fight card up from Drop Your Gloves. So a lot of my research was easy for me here. But uh, you managed <laughs> to fight a guy twice in the uh, in the same game, and he's a tough motherfucker. Is uh, Jesse Rosanzoff? What was it like fighting him? Oh, that was really because it was one of my first fights. And remember, I played university. You know, the whole thing of me being a fighter, I, I always wanted to, but I didn't have a I didn't have a ton of great experience. I was in university for a year, I had a fifty goal season. You know, I jumped right into training camp and preseason with these animals, and uh, you know, I was looking at him before the game. Oh, Jesus, this guy's, this guy's got a little experience. We ended up having a pretty solid, pretty solid couple of goals. I think he beat me the, the second time. I, uh, my first year was taking my lumps to learn, and I knew it would be like that. So I was, uh, I was fine. I was just as long as I can stand in there, show some strength, get some timing. Um, I knew what had to happen. I knew it was going to wear a few out know, this first, uh, first little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, it's one of those, things... one of those guys that popped me a couple, yeah. Yep. It's like one of those things, you you know, you kind of – you get better at the more you do it, right? <laughs> you know, it might hurt yeah, I mean, a little bit. I mean, if you want to keep doing it, that's the thing. Is right. The development when it comes to fighting, it, it, more so than almost anything, is, is you can see the light go off in people's heads. You know, like guys like Bugar losing fights all the way up until bam, and then he doesn't lose another one for like five years. You know, like that shit happens all the time in fighting. That's exactly. Like, awesome. like, have you seen him the last couple of years? It should change us. Exactly. So. Um. So another guy you happen to fight, but you uh, well actually, how'd you how'd you end up in New Orleans? Did you end up get you uh, you end up getting traded over there? Yeah, I was again. I was a bit of a, I was a bit of a, most of my woes in, in in the early goings in, in hockey was just trying to figure out. I was I was too wild of a person off the ice as well. I was just I was wild and all the time. <laughs> it was off the ice, on the ice, and it took me it took me close to a decade to slow that down. Uh, no drugs or nothing like that. Just you know going out and being just being an absolute meathead all the time <laughs> out drinking every night girls you know stuff like that and um it took me you know it's a little bit too late obviously in my career but i figured out how to be a, a way better team guy and a way, way better person uh you know uh, about halfway through my career all right on man well what was it like so playing a, down that's in... a long answer to the question yeah well <laughs> <laughs> um, what was it like playing down in new orleans with the brass you know they have one of the craziest fucking jerseys of all time i love them though but you know what, what was it like down there in new orleans i went down there with and i ended up getting my one of my best friends full to go down there with me and i can honestly say that we drank so much i don't really remember my time there <laughs> 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 oh boy <laughs> It was all kind of hazy. I was a rookie, 21 years old, playing pro hockey in New Orleans with my best friend. Fuck, I didn't. I don't remember much about that year. <laughs> we had fun. I remember that. <laughs> right, right on, man. Well, well, I don't know what day it is, but did you, was Mardi Gras going on while you guys were down there at all? Yeah, yeah. That's when I first got to Mardi Gras. So I, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. So, oh, really? I, I, I'm I was a big, big dude, man. I'm you know not as big as I used to be, but um, that crowd, me and my biggest, the crowd moves you. I don't care how big, how strong you are. <laughs> you don't really have a thing what's going on when you're in the middle of that pile. Right. Well, you end up in uh, in Greensboro after that, and a couple teammates I wanted to ask you about was one Mr. Trevor Gillies and Chris Waltz. What was it like playing with those guys? Well, Gillies is one of my four brothers, five brothers, I should say. Now, I have, I have five brothers that are not, you know, not blessed, and Gillies is one of them. So him and I ended up building, you know, one of the most lasting relationships, you know, friendships, uh, you know, that I've had in my life. 
what an amazing, amazing dude. Just an amazing dude. Salt of the earth. You know, everywhere he's played, you know, people talk about his character and his toughness. And uh, as a friend, I can tell you all that's all true. So, Right on, man. And uh, do you have any recollections with Chris Waltz at all? Yeah, I think he actually coached me at one point. He wasn't there for very long. My takeaways from, from Greensboro, you know, I only got so many – Open files in the file facts to remember shit with all the places I've been. But uh, Jeff Brubaker was our coach. Uh, and me and Bruce still have a friendship to this day, too. Uh, another amazing guy, amazing coach. Uh, Gills and Brubaker were, were the two things that I remember most about Greensboro. 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 Right on. And for those out there listening, man, uh, speaking of Chris Waltz, uh, fourth line voice, my good buddy Darren over there, he's had an episode with uh, with Chris Waltz, so you should go check that one out. But, um, yeah, he's a shorter, shorter guy that liked to throw bombs. I remember that. <laughs> remember he was a tough, tough guy and kind of a sleeper for uh, he was like five ten maybe I think. Just, I remember him being a sleeper and he was he ended up staying for he was coaching in Elmira I think for a really brief period of time before something happened and he had to leave. Gotcha. Well, before we leave Greensboro, you happen to fight another minor league legend, and of course a lot of people out there will know this guy, but uh, Ken Tasker. What was it like fighting Tasker? <laughs> I fought Ken Tasker from the bench. And that's when I learned that you're thinking, you're thinking that if you're on the bench, right, like you're fucking way taller than a guy, and all my fighters out here, if anyone's listening to this shit, you know this is true. I got my fucking ass handed to me. This is the worst place to be. You have no footing. You don't have edges. Like, he was pushing and pulling me, and I fucking, I wore out a few in that fight. Now, it's so surprised. I was like, I already have four or five inches on the guy, right? I'm standing on the bench. I'm like two heads taller than this guy. He's pulling me around. It was awful. So, yeah, I, I wore a few out that game. But, and we never, ever, you know, we tons of respect for the guy. And, you know, we used to talk a little bit on Facebook and stuff like that. And I really wanted to, to meet back up with him. And it just never ha- it just had never happened after that, you know? So, right. Yeah, man. It's fun. You know, I wasn't going to say nothing, but on here, it's got that fight for you as a loss. It's just how it is. But, I mean, you know, you fought him for the bench. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. I, mean, I fought the warm out. That, yeah, he, he definitely got me on that one. <laughs> I, was, uh, I remember I'm not doing that again. Like, I'm on the ice next time. That's not <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. That's great. Well, moving on, man. This this next fight card you have is just filled with fucking animals for your 01 to 02 season. And uh, yeah. you ended up in. Um, what was it Chicago with the Wolves in the AHL and how did that kind of happen man did you get called up and you know wanted to see what you were made of I can't I don't you know what I think so I did this almost every single year I didn't have an I didn't have an agent I just I got on the phone every year and just called teams and just called teams right (laughs) I got a good story before I got how I got to Calgary's camp asking me about that but um but, yeah, I mean, literally, I just got the coaches and the general managers' names of every single team in the American League. I just called everybody. And I believe Chicago was like, yeah, sure, come on out. I think I played some <laughs> preseason games. And I had a few games I got. I ended up getting suspended somewhere in there. So I was around for a while. Um, I can't I, – I don't remember the D. I remember I fought Roman Nader, though. That was a good one for me because he was supposed to be an absolute killer. And I got – I had a – this weird left hook where he just kind of ended up underneath it. I came down and over top of him, and I, I put him down with it. And uh, they were pretty impressed by that, I guess. So There you go. That's another guy I was going to ask you about because he's on here too. But um, you ended up in Quad Cities after that. What, what was your like? What was it like for you playing in Quad Cities? That's you know that's my home my hometown team. So I got I always got to show some love for them. But how'd you enjoy Quad Cities? 
I like. I really like playing there. You know, the Midwest and all those crazy cities that you know some people complain about. I, I loved all that stuff because the fans are so into it. And you know, I was into the hockey. You know, like I, I love the atmosphere quite too. Uh, McClellan was the coach. Um, McLean, sorry, McLean was the coach there. Uh, Toporowski, Joe Ben, McFarland. We had a bunch of really good guys. But again, I was. Yeah, you know, another. Uh, I screwed that situation up. I was, I was a bit, again, I was just a little too wild, you know, and not really controllable off the ice. And um, I, it was another, another. You know, I look back at time. I don't regret anything because I kind of had to do it my way. But uh, that, that would have been a great connection if I could have been just a bit better of a team guy and, and done things the way they want. I wanted to be a goal scorer and a fighter. And that was a that was a problem. <laughs> you know, ten forwarder. You know, so I was getting, you know, 10 goals here. And, you know, I was scoring some goals, but I was playing on a third line. I made it hard for the coaches. You know, I made everything hard for the coaches. And then I wouldn't listen. That's so hot. It's fucking good. And I'm tough. And I'll just do the fuck I want. And, you know, that shit will get you traded. <laughs> so. Hey, it is one of those. Rockford, Rockford is when I got into my stride. Rockford is when I, I can tell you the exact fight, the exact moment where I found out where my strength was in fighting. It was my second or third fight. I got traded to Rockford. Um, it was my second or third fight. I can't remember. I fought this uh, Russian dude. He was big. Uh, and we were going punch for punch. He was a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger. And I remember just halfway through the fight going, I'm way faster than this. And literally, it's something in my head clicked, and I just started throwing him down the pipe. And I had a very, very fast hand. And I, and I remember just hitting him three, four, five times to every, every one of his. And that, that kind of birthed my style of just hit them faster and more than, <laughs> than they hit you. <laughs> So. Right. Oh, man, that's good. You fought some absolute fucking animals um, when you were in Rockford, man. Uh, and one name people might know out there, if you've ever watched the, it's like, what was it, the Tough Guys documentary, where it's like the it's <laughs> down south, but you fought, uh, he held the record that year, for, or I don't know if it was that year for, um, for it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have been that year, excuse mm-hmm. me, but for uh, fighting majors in a single season, it was something like 40, 40-something, I can't remember the exact number, but it was uh, Kevin Holiday. What was it like fighting Kevin? Oh, Kevin Holiday! Kevin Holiday wasn't. I'll tell you the monster that. Now Kevin Holiday was was tough, was tough, but he was small. So you had a lot of these guys in the minors that were, you know, five ten, five eleven, that were just absolute killer light heavyweights, middleweights. But you remember back then, if you were like those guys, you played the American League, you were fighting Ryan Flynn, McLean, like you had to fight absolute killers. So a lot of those guys who were super tough but smaller ended up in the minors, like like the you know the CHL and the ECHL and stuff, and those guys do not do well against me because I'm bigger and faster than them. And usually their, their strength is aggression and speed, you know, hand speed. And those are my two strengths, but I was big. So right on. those, you know, with, with respect, he's a very tough guy, but he, those kind of guys do not match up well with Sometimes it's like that, man, with, uh, with people's fight styles, other, other fight styles match up better against other opponents. Oh, yeah. And it's just how it is. Well, tell me about it. I'm a student of the game. I can tell you. I can tell you what matches up with what. Believe me, I've studied so much. It's scary. <laughs> <laughs> um, another guy you fought who was also a uh, you know kind of a minor league legend and has one of the best names out there uh, as far as nicknames go for enforcers. But was Marty Meat Grinder Melnichuk, Man, what was it like fighting Melnichuk? Well, there's two guys that you have to play hockey in the minors in these eras because the eras of tough guy progressed. It went from crazy to super tough to professional. To, to, just, to just professional. Like you have guys going, you know, learn, MMA guys, boxing guys. And Marty, there's two guys that I hold to the, to, uh, one of the highest standards that you have to actually play to know. 
and that's Marty Malachuk and Steve McLaren. Obviously, Steve McLaren, Stone Cold Steve McLaren, the, the older one. Those are the two. And he's a little bit more known than Marty, but those two guys are two of the baddest dudes on the planet, period. Me and Marty, I think, fought six or seven times that year. It was, I mean, there really wasn't anybody else to... I had a couple more good fights, but it was basically between me and Marty who had the belt in the UHL that year, and we just kept passing it back and forth. We, oh, we had some good ones. We had some really good ones. Much, a lot of respect, too. One, one of our fights, we were going at it, and we were just punching the face contest. His arm got caught in his shirt, so he couldn't get his arm out. And since we had fought so much before, I didn't want to get the edge in an unfair way. I, like, helped him. I, like, let go. I helped him put the arm back in again, whatever, got his arm out and grabbed on and just kept going. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. That's one way to do it, man. That's great. Yeah, I fucking, I'm I'm a huge meat grinder fan, man. He was, he was, like, absolutely crazy, but he, fuck, he was tough. He could throw, like, he was one of the guys who dropped me. I've never, I've been dropped, uh, you know, a handful of times in my life. Uh, You know, got back up every time except one. Uh, but but Marty was one of the one of the three people to do that to me. Absolutely, so. and you know, I mean, <laughs> not like anything that can't take away from you for that because I mean he was a fucking animal. I in came this back <laughs> with a vengeance the next. Uh, I came back with a vengeance the next five fights. I think I I, I put our I put our series at dead even. Uh, I mean, you really can watch and he was like being Yablonski. Just <laughs> pick him. Every single fight is kind of pick him. I got a really close. I got a really hard edge in one. He got a really hard edge in one, and the rest of them are are, are pretty much you know all great fights. So absolutely. Well, another guy you happen to fight too, and this was uh, you fought him. You fought him twice, uh, and it was um, a guy who you later on meet in the uh, old enforcer competition. But the uh, Mister Dean the Machine Mayrand. How was it fighting oh, yeah. him? How was it oh. fighting him then? Well, that yeah, that's, I don't consider because I don't consider that Dean Mayran. So, uh, <laughs> he was still fighting yeah, his he footing. Was just, he was just getting started. I, 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 I mean, he was hungry. He he did the same thing I was I was doing as a rookie the year before. So uh, I, I beat him up pretty good there. But that that definitely wasn't that definitely wasn't him. Obviously, he showed that later on in his career, turning it on, and and uh, obviously getting the W, which you know, like a great fight, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The draw is a fucking draw. Come on, the hockey enforcers. Come on, man. That was a draw. He's a tough dude. It was a great fight, but I don't know. So anyway, <laughs> we'll get to that in a bit, and I'll give you, I'll give you my take as a, as a fight fan from that. No, di- no disrespect to Dean. He's a bad motherfucker, and I like him a lot. I got a ton of respect for him. So, damn, that was a draw. Come on, they should have given us an overtime round. Seriously, they should have figured something out. That's not a win. Oh man, yeah. absolutely! You know, Dino he just opened up his uh, his own boxing gym too up there in Canada, so you yeah, know, it's, it's good that. for him, man. Much it's fucking respect. awesome. Much respect, much respect to Dean for sure. Much respect. Absolutely. And uh, well, before we end your uh, your time in Rockford, you happened to fight a former teammate and one absolute minor league legend as as well was uh, Kerry Toporowski. What was it like fighting Topper? <laughs> Topper was Topper is a great dude, man, um, and. He probably had good reason. The captain of Quad City. He probably had good reason to dislike me. You know, like I was an arrogant ass back then. And um, but he wouldn't square up with me. So he topped in like squaring up, and he knew that was my strength. So it was a it was a it was a cat and mouse game for all the way till I think it was the third period where finally I kind of turned my back to sort of get him to. I knew he was going to take the bait. He did, and I turned around and uh, got loose. He got a couple off on me early, but. Ended up getting loose and doing okay there in that one, but 
he's a really good dude. And I, I, I see him on Facebook. I guess his son's a fucking stud, eh? Yeah, so, he's out there in Spokane tearing it up. I, I really hope to see him in the NHL. It'd be fucking great. Yeah, that'd be sick. <laughs> any of my old, any guys that used to play with me, I'm always pulling for the old guys and their kids and stuff. So, always on. Any of my old teammates that have kids and stuff, I'm always trying to find. I think it's awesome. So, especially, you know, you, when you do what I do right now with the kids, I got so many kids whose fucking dads are not part of their lives, and it makes me sick. And that's the old, you know, tough guys, you know, with kids and old teammates of mine with kids, like being awesome dads and stuff. It's really, it's really awesome to see. Absolutely, man, for sure. And um, so. You, you've obviously a couple a couple seasons in with fighting here. Did you kind of start developing and you kind of kind of finding your niche as far as like the style that you wanted to go for, or did you kind of develop mm-hmm. it at all? Like fighting, did you like do off ice training? You know, like MMA and boxing at the time. Oh, I'd been. <laughs> I did a in the Globe and Mail. They took out a, a full page ad when I was in Calgary's camp to, to, to tell this story. Um, I was at 17 years old. I had a fake ID uh, entering into the top man competition. His, his name was Jason Anderson. And, uh, and that's back then in Florida, back then it wasn't just a tough man competition. There was certain bars, certain nights we just go in, sign up, fucking jeans. Some guys were boxers. Some guys were drunk. It was like the weirdest shit ever. And it was like that for about 10 years in Florida. And I went to a different bar each and every day of the week up until Thursday. But the big one was Roxy. It was a place where all the stars would go. Shaquille O'Neal, Bashi, Michael Irvin at the time. It was like, that's where it was like the place to be. And they ended up throwing a boxing ring in there on Monday, on Monday nights. And then they just kind of kept the party going from the weekend. And uh, <laughs> that's what I was doing on Monday. So I ended up having a couple hundred amateur boxing, tough man competition, twice before I was even 21 years old. So, <laughs> well, fuck, man, you dove right into it then, eh? <laughs> yeah, I, I have over 500 competitive in the ring, you know, in the in the hockey rink, you know, not you know, only competitive in a competitive atmosphere. I have over 500 fights. Fuck, that's insane to even think about, man. <laughs> and you know what's even crazier is the toughest fights of my life are in the gym in practice with Julian Williams and Alex Mason and those guys back in the when I, I've been dealing with those guys forever it's what the toughest fights of my life are not in that five hundred. How fucked up is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's fucking great. Uh, well speaking of, speaking of that as far as fighting in a bar in bars and stuff, you uh Fuck it. Well, I posted this, and the way I worded it wasn't the best. But Mark McFarland talked about how you, when you were in Quad City, you happened to there was oh, yeah. s- some fight night going on at a bar, and you put on some shorts, and you yeah. end up just fucking one punching the dude, eh? Yeah, it was funny. Guys would get in there and be like three hundred pounds, was just huge, huge guys. You know, the guy that like never left his neighborhood as a kid and just beat up everyone, so he thinks he got a chance to fight. And you know, those are the kind of guys that used to go into those places. And, hey. It helped me develop. You know what I mean? Those guys, those, those they helped me develop, and it was it was fun. You know, and uh, and uh, the, they used to be some of those, and probably uh, I'm pretty happy that the team never found out about it. I, mean, I did those a few times. Did one in Salt Lake too, um, try to get under the radar. But one time I just had all the boys came, the whole entire team came. You know what I mean? In this big place, <laughs> and then everyone was like, "Are you are you sure, man? This guy looks big." And I'm like, "Yeah, geez, I'm, I'm sure." <laughs> just enjoy your just enjoy your drink. I'll be right just, back. Just go ahead and order 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 one for me when I get back, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've done this a few times before, so absolutely. Um, but yeah, so anytime there was those in the in the cities that I played, and I tried to, you know, it'd be fun for the boys and a good story and that kind of thing. For sure, man. Well, the next year 
you told me to ask you about it, but you ended up in Calgary's camp. How did you uh, how did you manage that? So this is hilarious. So being the retard that I am, I made a VA I made it cost me two hundred dollars to get twelve VHS tapes made of my boxing and hockey highlight videos. I made 12, and I made a, a montage. It was just a compilation of all right. the video footage that I had. And I put it, I made 12 VHS copies and mailed them to NHL teams. I got four <laughs> fucking invites to NHL camps that year. Four. <laughs> four. I guess one of my buddies, his name was, his name was Creighton. Uh, Doug Creighton was his, was, his, uh, was his brother. He, he plays the golf pro down here. He came back and told me, this is all they were fucking talking about at the draft was this fucking retard. Sending <laughs> <laughs> VHS copies of a fighting at bars and stuff. <laughs> so they brought I got to choose. You know, growing up in Calgary, and Ken King was, was uh, my dad was, uh, was the general manager of the, uh, of the Calgary Sun, or advertising director, and Kenny King was the, was the uh, editor at the time. And um, Ken King ended up, you know, a partial owner of the, of the Calgary Flames for a while there. And uh, so... I took that uh, I took that route and gave it a whirl. Went to Calgary. So I think I had Minnesota. I had a couple Boston, of course, and then Philly. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Well, you ended up fighting another former guest of the show. Was uh, John Craighead? What was it like fighting him? Yeah, he was tough, man. He was tough. No, he uh, he was quick. I remember that about him. And uh, he could take a couple. Um, that was a back and forth one. Uh, I wasn't expecting him to be that fast. I was super nervous too in that fight. I, uh, it was weird because I just got done fighting that Schmier guy like four or five times in camp. He was like six seven, and John was like six foot. It was, uh, I remember it was a little bit different. Uh, I, it took me a little bit to to get loose in that one, but he's a tough, tough dude, and he's very fast. And you know what? Here's something. I, is, was John uh, uh, was John one of the judges of the Hawks Gladiators? I want to ask him about this shit. <laughs> oh fuck was he if he was one of the judges and I had fought him I, you know come on <laughs> <laughs> oh shit um, well so you th- that year did you so hockey DB the way it works is sometimes that the timelines aren't always accurate with your career did you end up going yeah. down to the AHL first and then the ECHL that year with uh did you go to Utah first and then Lexington I went to no I went to Lexington so I um, when Calgary didn't no, did I go to Salt Lake? I think I went to Salt. No, I went to Salt Lake's camp, and then okay. fought a bunch of guys in that camp, uh, and then went down to Lexington, and that's where, that's where the first time I started showing some special shit, like that I could probably play in the NHL and fight in the NHL. Um, I was scoring. I mean, that was that was that was the start of, of you know, both, you know, progression um, in my in my fighting career and my in my game. I, I put a, I put a lot together that year. We had a really good team, and we were feeling it. We were just feeling it. It was a great team, a really good situation for me. Right on, man. Well, you definitely fought some animals while you were down there in Lexington as well. And uh, one guy I wanted yeah. to ask you about, and unfortunately passed away, but is the uh, the late Trevor Ettinger. What was it like fighting Trevor? What was it like fighting Trevor? Like fighting myself, man. We just punch each other in the face. He was long. <laughs> he was quick. He was tough. He was. He was. You know, he was a scary dude, and he he like he liked doing it. I mean, he he looked like he and really enjoyed it. You know, like and that's the kind of guys that I I'm like, all right, this guy's gonna be around a bit. You know, and he's you see guys that enjoy to do it that aren't just pushed in because they were big. You know, um, Trevor was uh, 
he's a scary dude, man. And he put he put everybody on notice that his first couple of years. So I really, you know, rest in peace, man. That that's that dude was he 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 had some talent. He could have gone really far, really far. Absolutely, man. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate what happened, but you know, um, at least there's still clips out there to remember him by and stuff like that. And you know, guys like yourself yeah. to be able to talk about him and everything yeah. like that. But um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Another guy you fought a bunch of. Oh fuck! Looking at this, it looks like you fought him about four or five times. But another minor league legend, another former guest of the show, uh, fucking Jeremy Yablonski. What was it like fighting Yabo? <laughs> Me and Yabo fought six or seven times. We're really good buddies now. <laughs> yeah, we were. We were. Uh, it was funny with. Trevor, I was a, me and Yabo were in Trevor's wedding together, and uh, we were looking at we were looking at each other. And we're like, "Holy shit! All the all the grooms have fought have fought the, the groom and each other." <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was really funny. Um, and Gilly, Trevor Gilly's wedding is where Yabo and I really, you know, got up as buddies. And we had fought a couple times after that with a lot of respect. But uh, Yabo and I, you know, he's the He's, he's the, uh, you know, Morasti, Yablonski, that's that prototype, you know, 230-pound, six-foot-tall fire hydrant that can eat a shot and give one back twice as hard. You know, he, he masters that style. You know, he really does. So, and, and uh, you know, I'm the length quick, want to cut you open, try to touch the chin, you know, keep you on the outside, jersey jab. And uh, we had some fucking beauties him and I. We had some absolute beauties. Most one of my one of my favorite guys to talk about. He's just an absolute killer and just a great guy off the ice too. Um, Absolutely, man. I find I'm a huge Yabo fan. I love love watching his fights and of course his Morasti and or his Morasti fights will always they'll always be number like number one on a yeah, bunch I of almost, people's I list. Ruined, I almost ruined one. I almost ruined the best one. Holy fuck! Yeah, um, over there in Syracuse. I was, I was challenging. I was challenging Yabo and, and Morasti. I, I think he was trying. I think he was choosing. I don't know. Couldn't figure out, but we never really talked about it afterwards. All I said was, "I'm so glad that it's fucking ruined that one." <laughs> that was maybe the best fight I've ever seen. <laughs> Absolutely, fuck! I think that was like number. I think that was number two. Hockey fights was just two, posting. Yeah, yeah, they were just posting all their shit. Over and Cox was one. Yeah, I mean, take a pick there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Um, oh, another guy you happen to fight too is another guy who uh, made a good career in the minors. Was uh, Mark Major? What was it like fighting Mark? Mark Major? I don't remember. <laughs> that, that I do not remember. Well, it says you fought him. <laughs> well, it couldn't have been a memorable one. I remember when I lose. I remember when I win. So it probably wasn't much of a fight. So yeah, I think um, it, well, it has yeah, you down I here as a draw. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. It probably was some bullshit call or something, you know. Right on. Well, yeah, you end up fighting another guy who made a career down in the minors. Was a uh, Pete Vandermeer. What was it like fighting Pete? Oh. Well, Pistol Pete is how I got my contract. <laughs> I got all my kids uh, that I train now, and I, I, I tell the story. Um, not for anything to do with Pete. He was an absolute killer. Uh, tons of respect for a guy his size being as good as he was. But, again, now those are my – those are the guys that I really – those light heavyweights, they, they found out real quick not to not to mess around. Um, God, I hate saying that with, with respect. To, and I, I see him at the PHPA all the time as well. But um, I was only supposed to stay up for that weekend. And then after my performance with Pete, they signed me for the rest of the year after that weekend. So it was, uh, you know, that's what I tell all the kids these days when they go to tryouts and stuff. I tell that story. I'm like, every time I got called up, every opportunity that I ever had was only supposed to be for a day, for a game, for a weekend. It's up to you. Oh, the team. Yeah, the team is already picked. Yes, the team's picked. You got to go out there and play somebody out of a spot. 
So absolutely, that's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. You're over there competing for a job, and you got it, man. But um, so you ended up there in Utah after that. You ended up getting signed, and you happened to play with uh, it was one of my favorites when he was on here on the Lightning, and uh, you know spent a few years here in the NHL. But uh, was uh, Zen and Kanopka? What was it like playing with Kanopka? <laughs> I love that kid. He's one of my favorite guys in hockey. Um, as far as like you know, pure, so he's not like the the top ten heavyweight of all time, but he's my number one player that that sacrifices his body for the team and for the puck. Then Kanaka goes face fucking first into everything, hundred percent, no games off, just an absolute warrior. That is an all around. I mean, you know, him and the whole Lucic and like that. Those guys were just. I was so the way he the way he plays, man. I I wish I could do that for seventy five games. I I could, I could never. Like he's he's so durable and just nothing but and and off the ice too. Like one of he's funnier than shit. Like best stories, hilarious voice. <laughs> just this when he talks, it makes me laugh. So he gets, <laughs> he's very charismatic too, obviously, and and uh, and and just salt of the earth, man. Love that guy. Yeah, I was a huge Kanopka fan when he played here. I, I was a little bit younger then because I think he was here 08 to 09 um, down in Tampa. But, yeah, I always loved watching Kanopka. Well, I was playing with uh, Jim Montgomery. Was on the, I lived with Jim Montgomery. He was coaching the Dallas Stars right now, wasn't he? <laughs> I think so. Jim, I, yeah, I, I lived with Jim Montgomery and Steve Ganey. Um, uh, and then we had David Oliver was on our team. What, what a, a crazy team that was on paper. Holy Christ. We had so many... Greg Hoggard, Scaldi, uh, Jesus, the Castro, Mike Smith was our goaltender uh, for Edmonton right now. Um, yep. Man, we had a crazy team there. We had a crazy team there. That's when I, that, that that was the first year that I was like, okay, you're fighting NHL guys now, man. So, yeah, absolutely, I, I, I know. I big boys on that card. Yeah, that was, the next two, next two, three years were were maybe four years were. We're some big boys. Oh yeah, and he even ended that year with uh, fighting a guy who was uh, who played a couple years in the NHL and then later went to the uh, the old LNH. But um, is uh, Frankie Lassard? What was it like fighting Frank Lassard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a real. He's he's fast too, and he's a lefty. We just that was the most punches that I've ever thrown and that I've ever been hit with in a forty second period. I think was that fight. Uh, Yadel and I have some good ones where there's a lot of punches landed, but uh, Lassard is fast. And he's big, and he's a lefty, and he wants that. He wants that punch in the face battle. So uh, yeah, we, I gave it. I, you know, I gave him the battle, and it was it was a split right down the middle. But I mean, there was so many punches left in that fight. <laughs> Holy shit! So yeah, I would have liked to. Have, I think I fought him again. I think I fought him twice that year. Yep, you did. Um. So yeah, but. Yeah, Lassard, man. I, I've I've always wanted to know why he has all that tape around his ankles, man. Is if it's for like stability when he's fighting, or what, what the deal is, man? I don't know. I don't know. Because you'd think my bender ass would need that while I'm playing fucking beer league. <laughs> <laughs> he's got small ankles. Yeah, fuck. Well, I mean, hey, it worked out for him because of whatever he did. He, you know, he was able to flourish for a little bit there, but. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> so the next year, man, you end up uh, you end up in Dallas's camp, and you fight uh, you fight Reed Lowe. But before you know, you get into the fight. How was it? How did you manage to get into the uh, the Dallas camp? Well, this was another one of Tony Cicali. Um This is another one of our. You didn't you didn't send in your fight tapes that year. <laughs> no, this is, 
well, at that point, I didn't think I, you know, at that point, I think I had enough. Yeah, you had a reputation at that point. So, Cataldi was uh, coaching the Texas Tornadoes at the time. Um, they won some national championships at the junior level, uh, and they built a rink, and they were going to be affiliated with the Dallas Stars. They were a junior team, but affiliated like the you know, same rinks and stuff. So they were they were in contact quite a bit. Tony being the the guy that he is as far as knowing people in the hockey community. Um, that he was he's like, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna put your name in the hat for these guys. They they need you badly. So uh, I think they had Aaron Downing at the time. He was doing pretty good, but uh, so he went and basically put in a good word. And they said, all right, well, because uh, I used to live with Tony in the summer times for a month, month and a half every year. He's the guy okay. that would you know train my men- mental and physical toughness, you know, and, and get preparing me for the season. And uh, and they said, sure. So he says, the entire team practices Monday. The guys that stay in town uh, in the summer practice Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. They have a scrimmage game at 8 o'clock in the morning. And it's a, it's a pickup game. There's no hitting. There's absolutely no fighting. We want to see if you – we know that you kick and fight. He's like, we want to see if you kick the play. So and it was just a really, really good situation because uh, when I got there, you know, those guys want guys like me around, you know, Mike Madonna and them, they want guys like me around. So, right. Of course, they're just, they're feeding me biscuits and doing whatever they can to make, you know, to make me look at the more tough guys that are in the system. You know, they're not going to go, they're not going to have to go a game without, you know, without protection. So they, they did a good job of making me look good and, uh, and they invited me to camp and I, I, uh, pretty good in that camp too. Really good in that camp too. Fought some, fought some big boys and did really well. Absolutely. Um, well, while we're on the topic of, of that that protection kind of thing, I, I, I want to kind of get this out there for some people because a, a lot of people can't measure an enforcer being a, a deterrent or an intimidation because there's no stat for it. Is it – and, you know, I want to hear it right from the horse's mouth. I want people to hear it because, you know, you yourself were in that role. What, is it as much of a deterrent as a lot of the star people say they are? Because, I mean, you hear – Brett Hull say he wouldn't be what he was without Tony Twist or Chelios talk about Chris Nyland stuff no like doubt. that. There's no doubt. There's no doubt, and that's one of the reasons why you know Crosby is hurt. I don't know why they get rid of a guy like Reeves and I. There's just some. It's a deterrent. It's a deterrent. You got two choices. You can get you got a cop in front of you with a ticket, or you got to fight me. You know what I mean? Like with these people, like oh, you just got a fine on and money hurts. No, none talk spoken like people that have never been in a fight before. You know what I mean? It's hilarious. People talking about fighting is not a deterrent, yet they've never been in a fight before. Or, you know, never had to deal with somebody going, you pick on my little brother, I'm going to fuck you up. That kind of shit. And actually get messed up. And that's a huge deterrent. A huge deterrent. It's the most powerful deterrent, in my opinion. So, I mean, money, people people give away thousands to, to, to avoid a fucking ass kick. Are you kidding me? I, I hate the fine argument. That's the that's the worst one. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm first-handed. I, I know exactly what kind of deterrent it is. I can just by sitting on a bench. Uh, you know, teams play completely different. And you hear everyone. You know how many times as a fighter you hear when you're just sitting on a bench. Sometimes you don't get a lot of ice. And guys are going, dude, you don't understand. You're just sitting on this bench. These motherfuckers aren't playing anything like they did last game. And if I had a quarter for every time I've heard it. And a quarter for every time every other tough guy's heard that, you know, we could be building casinos. <laughs> right so. on, man. Absolutely. And, you know, it's unfortunate people will look at a player like yourself or even Bugard or something like that, you know, and, oh, they're just a big idiot. They can't play hockey and this and that, and they're not valuable to the team. And 
it's unfortunate to hear well, that. Cause... Some, with respect, some of them can't play hockey that, that good. But the point of the fact is that people talk about fighting like it's not a skill that was basically, you know, when the game first started, uh, you know, hockey is a frontier game. It was, it was, it was, it was made on the plains. You know, you get sticks and speed and blades and stuff. You can do call a, call an officer to, 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 to deal with the problem on the ice. Right. Hockey, fighting has been in hockey since hockey started. It is a skill like shooting, like passing, like skating. Now, where that skill fits in on the order of importance, that's to be determined. But it is a skill that belongs in the game that is part of the game. So can some of these other guys skate, shoot? No, some, a lot of them can't do a lot of that shit very well. But they fight great, and that's a part of the game. So for people to say, oh, he's just, you know, he's only got this or he's only got that, there's a lot of guys in the game that only have one or two things that don't have their third thing. You know, they can skate and shoot, but they can't fucking handle it, or he's not that smart, or he doesn't play great. You know, these are all different variables that create a full hockey player, and fighting is part of that. So, anyways, that was my very passionate response. Hey, that's all. That's what we're here for, man. That's what this podcast is all about, man. It's, it's like I said, it's sad that guys like yourself are looked down upon these days with with people. Sorry, hold on, let me put a dip in real quick. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, but yeah, it's it's unfortunate, man, and I see it every fucking day on Twitter and shit like that, and even in the group when I'll see people saying shit, I'm like, okay, well, you get the fuck out, you'll get kicked from the group really quick. It's just it's just that easy. It's not. It's like dealing with fucking idiots. It's like talking to a wall, man. It's ridiculous. Yeah, again, it's always the guys that don't have any, any experience in the in the actual matter. Um, that's why you know I had a couple of had said some some bad stuff about fighting in the game, and and uh, and that hurt that that hurt me more than any any dumbass troll uh, or group of trolls. Wait, who who was that that you said? Sorry, you, you cut out a little bit there. Stevie Eiserman. Oh, Stevie Eiserman. So I said some I said some uh, stuff putting a negative light on fighting and uh you know i can i can handle people talking shit about stuff they don't understand you know but uh when i heard that it, it hurt me a little bit because um you know he wouldn't be what he was without kosher and uh, without probert and there's just no doubt about it absolutely uh, and man. that's that's hypocrisy and that's uh you know a little bit of uh, I, I just it, it hurts to, to, to hear stuff like that out of someone someone's mouth like that you listen to wayne gretzky if you want to hear you know uh, how important tough guys are. You know that's who you gotta listen to. For so, sure, man. You know he wouldn't have been what he was without Samanko and McSorley riding shotgun, and he'll he'll come out and say he'll, that. He'll so. the, yeah, he'll be the first. He'll be the first one to tell you that, and it's true. People play differently when the deterrent is breathing on your neck. So he gives your guys he gives you guys some space, some room. It gives you gives your it gives your artists on the ice time to draw and paint. It gives them what it lets them be themselves. You create an environment for the skill to be skill. Right. You know? And that's what's great for the game. And people don't see that. It bothers me a lot. So, but. You know, it is what it is. And unfortunately, it's the way the game has gone now. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think it'll ever come back, sadly. But no. it no, is what it is. I hope it doesn't go away completely. Like, there's just a, a part of me that's still in denial. It's like, well, maybe they'll just let you fight ten times. Uh, oh, yeah, that new ECHL rule was fucking brutal. Oh. Maybe they'll just keep it like that. I mean, talk about a talk about a prototype. You just you try something in the ECHL. Guess guess how this is gonna go. <laughs> Tell me if you've seen this before. Yeah. Again, the year after the NHL. <laughs> Take a guess. I mean, it's literally 
they don't really hide it anymore. So it's just like, this is what we're doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so in three years, Reading, you'll have a 10 fight major. You heard it here, even though you guys already all probably figured that out. But three years, there'll be 10 fight rule in the NHL. So. I, I can guarantee it too. And it's funny because, well, the sad part is, I think there was, I don't know, I don't have the stats in front of me, but there, I think there was maybe, what, six guys in the NHL as a whole that had more than 10 fights last year, too. So, like, what, what's the point of the rule even coming in if there's only six guys out of the hundreds of dudes in the rosters? You know, it's, it's well, stupid. It's, no, it's, they're not doing anything to, they, the game is where they want it right now. They're doing, they're doing something to protect the future so that they don't have to deal with the ridiculous amount of lawyers have killed the game. Lawyers have killed sports. Right. They just have. So, uh, and it's the lawsuits and the money, that, the money that's being paid out uh, on these lawsuits and these lawyers taking mass advantages. Um, it's a sensitive subject, obviously, but um, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's what's ruining shit. And that's why they're going to, they're going to protect themselves by implementing these rules so they don't have to deal with, you know, the repercussions of, of fighting and playing physical game against the biggest, baddest dudes on earth for 20 years or 10 years. You're not going to come out okay. You're just not going to come out okay. And people think that you should come out okay. And now people are suing because they're not okay. And right. those monies, and, that's, and, that, and lawyers are just trumping up those and just get sucking teams dry with money from this stuff. It's awful. It's awful. So they protect themselves by making rules. Absolutely, and it's it's all kind of a money game now, and it's just how it is. And like we said, I don't think it's ever going to come back. So, but luckily, there's guys like yourself, and you know, the fourth line voice and the biscuit podcast over there that you know appreciate guys like yourself, and so that's what we're here to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember the good times. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, you know, I know we're kind of getting off topic here from your career, but I, mean, I don't fucking care. You know, this is this is all the good I'm shit fine. to talk about. Exactly. Um, but it's almost it's like it's not hockey to me anymore because I grew up watching hockey and hockey always remembered it as, you know, oh it's this tough sport where they let them fight and the, the hits and everything like that. Even you, you can't even lay a hit anymore, it seems, without getting a suspension or get, getting put under a microscope or people I mean, talking kid, about how it's not necessary. Oh, and my kid watches Tampa Bay Lightning religiously, and I of course you know, and, I, and that's where the game's going. And it's it's for me, it's not the most painful team to watch. Right, you get up by three, let another team score three, score four, let the other team score four, go to overtime, win in the shootout. Like that, I just want to run my head against the wall. Watch Tampa <laughs> play, but um, you know, it, it's it's men's league now. I was watching the game the other day. Um, this kid, the Smith kid, they got a pretty tough kid. Hit throws the body. He knows his role on the team. He's running around. You know, he throws the he throws the body on this guy. The guy is shoulder to shoulder, but the guy kind of slipped a little bit before. He went in for the puck, and he kind of fell forward just a little bit on his own. And Smith, and he was taller than Smith. Smith went through with his shoulder to shoulder. The guy's head, you know, goes into the glass, but it you know shoulder to shoulder hit goes down auto call right, and the commentator goes, you know, hits you know illegal hits the head don't necessarily have to be to the head. <laughs> I'm just like, did I just fucking hear this guy say that? And you know what's funny is I posted that on Facebook, and everybody, every had a million comments on it, making fun of the commentators for being dumb. But they missed the point was is that that's actually a fucking rule. 
It's a new rule in the NHL, but it's a referee doesn't like the way the head enters. Even if you hit from the shoulder, they can call fucking head on head. They can call head, uh, uh, targeting head contact. Right. That is an absolute rule that they snuck in there. So it wasn't the joke. The joke's on us. You know, they're just they're doing this shit every year. They're just sneaking little stuff in there, and now you watch a fight, and guys are still throwing punches, and referees are jumping in. It's horrifying to watch. It's not the same thing. Exactly. It's, it's still a good game, but it's not the same shit. It's just it's not the hockey I grew up watching. So I don't I don't even wa- I don't watch it anymore personally. If it's on, I'm not gonna run out of the room. But you know, it's yeah. yeah. I'm just like yeah, like it's just not it's not the same entertaining. It's, it's like I said, it doesn't it's not hockey to me anymore because hockey hockey to me was always that rough tough sport, and it's just it's gone away from its roots in my opinion, and it's kind of European style hockey. Which if that's your cup of tea, by all means, go ahead and watch it. But for me, it's it's not my cup of tea. No, it's kind of like rugby's taken over as the hardest team sport. Like, the right. guys, you know, biggest, baddest dudes are rugby players now, unfortunately. And, uh, uh, there, was, there was actually an argument that they were number one the whole time, but we'll get to that. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not. It's just, it's not. And, like I said, it's still, I don't hate the game um, because I watched it with my boy, and my boy is so passionate. He's, like, the most passionate eight-year-old watches every period of every game, every highlight. I come into the room, he's watching games from 1978. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, I didn't know they played hockey back then, Dad. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. yeah Come sit under the learning yeah. tree, son. <laughs> he's, he's, he's watching like like stride mechanic videos. He's got an eight-year-old, man. So when, when he watches hockey, he's so animated. So that's it's fun for me to watch Tampa now. I just, I just love watching it with my boy. But um but I'm, I'm I'm a little bit past the, the it hurts me to watch hockey phase, but it was uh, for three years I couldn't turn on a game after I, after I quit after I had to retire. So right, oh man, yeah, it's it's definitely different now, but you know it is what it is, and we guess you either watch it or you don't at this point. So it's just how it's going to be. But it's you a know, pretty mo- good skill though. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's oh, shit, there's, some, there's way more skill now than there's ever been because nobody touches anybody. But. Oh, for sure. That's well, I laugh at sometimes too because I swear I'm like if you just laid the body on him there he probably wouldn't have gotten through you but you know, it's you know that's me that's me being a couch jockey you know a couch coach <laughs> so you know I, well, I my, mean, my credibility isn't quite there <laughs> you can't it's sometimes in one on one battles it's not you, know, you start if you start going for big hits or stuff like that it's about containing people where I right. where I see where I see the big the big difference is is the, is the I think you should be able to play. Um, in the other, in my opinion, <laughs> uh, I think that you know, especially you want the game to sell, but not lose its roots. You know, uh, it has to sell in America too. And this is, it's, you know, obviously Canada and Russians, and, but if you just took, if you can call hard penalties in the neutral zone when people have the puck and they're flying, you shouldn't be able to touch that guy unless you could put a body on him. But so you, you, just a little hook, little hold, or whatever you're in neutral zone with dude got speed, put him in the box. I'm good with that. But, man, make it the trenches in the corners and in front of the nets again. Right. Make it the trenches. Let guys go to war in the corners and in front of the net. Let, let it be a tough game. Like, you can't, you can't, just can't just be about speed and stuff. You go in the corners and you fucking touch it. It's just an auto penalty now. You should, you should be able to battle in those places. You know? Absolutely, man. So, it's... But you can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you sure can't. <laughs> Oh man! Well, you know, one thing about it too that really pisses me off, and I see it all the time, and I'll, I'll fucking you know, I, I probably say this over and over again, but I can't stand that the NHL still markets guys like yourself and tough guys. Though you know, anytime the Red Wings and Avalanche play, 
what highlights you see? It's always Fight Night at the Joe. And then you look at the on-ice yeah. product, and it's nothing like that. But you're still going to – you wanted to phase out the tough guy and phase out the enforcer. But you're going to make money off of them by still marketing your games like it's fucking Fight Night at the Joe. It's all about – I can't remember whose book I was reading. I was reading somebody's book. And it said, as soon as they, as soon as they stopped the game for TV timeouts, that's, that's when the game was over. That's when the game left our hands. As soon as they stopped it, so that we got TV timeouts, that's when that's when the almighty dollar just took over, and it's gonna it's gonna continue to get softer and more watered down, unfortunately. And, uh, and again, this isn't this isn't crapping on anybody that's playing in the league right now, man. I'm trying to get my son there. <laughs> Absolutely, four or five other kids I, I got on the path there. I'm, I love the game still. You know, it's a it's still an amazing game. It's still impossible. It's still the hardest game to play talent skill wise. Oh, absolutely. Far, and I would, I would, I relish the chance to argue that fact because it's really, really easy to argue because there's just so many variables that make it difficult. But, um, but yeah. So. Exactly, man. It's it's still the, the skill that these guys have today is it's better than it's ever been. Obviously, but you know, it's just it, it's soft. They, it. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have the other. It, you know, we, what, what drives me nuts is that there's people that don't play. That have never played that want to tell me the risks that I can have with my own body. Right. You know, they're, they're implementing rules to, to fucking, to, we got we to make the game safer. Why do you have to make the game safer for me? The whole fucking point is that it's risky. If it wasn't risky, we would get no reward out of it. We would get no sense of accomplishment out of it. You know, the fact, the risk and the fact that you can go in, fucking battle with some of the biggest, baddest dudes on planet Earth for a couple of decades, you know, and do that because it's, cause you're probably not going to end up okay at the end of that. But there's a pot of gold waiting for you over here, and that's Stanley Cup. Or essentially, the way I look at it was my pro career was the pot, you know, the pot of gold. What an amazing time to have experiences, the things that I went through, good, bad, the ugly, I wouldn't change it for anything. Absolutely, a hundred percent, man. It's it's funny. I I see it too when you know that people are like, oh, they're just they're just kids or whatever. Like when who was Ovechkin punched that one dude last year on the Hurricanes? I can't remember his fucking name, but he oh knocked he knocked God. him out. Oh, and oh, he's he's just a kid and blah blah blah. And he's a warrior in playoffs, playing in the best league in the world, going for the best trophy in the world. Right. And the way, <laughs> the way, uh, the way my buddy over at Fourth Line Voice describes it, and I, I never even thought about this until he said it. But he's like, you know, he's eighteen. You'll give him a fucking rifle to go off and you know die for country and fight in a war. But apparently, he can't make his own fucking decisions on the ice. That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I mean, the hypocrisy, the, the hypocrisy in, in, in sport. You ask the players. The players they want fighting and they want the shit in it. You know what I mean? Ask the players. It's, right, it's not the players that get this shit done. It's the, it's the legality, you know, and that's that's the whole most horrible thing, you know. Like, if I didn't have hockey, wasn't the way it was, I certainly wouldn't have had any. You know, I would have to do something else. But um, it's not up to anyone else except for the people that play the game. Exactly, Why, I mean, people that play the game should should be talking about should be talking about what's how to make it better. If you want to make it better, then the players and the coaches and the people that are directly involved like that. You know, instead it's like this legal style. I don't know. I, I want the I, you know, I want the risk. If you don't want the risk, go do something else. Right. It's not as risky. That's probably not as rewarding either. So I want the. We're gonna put bans on guys who want to climb fucking mountains now because they can die. 
You know, like, <laughs> hey, man, you can die if you climb up that mountain. That is illegal. You cannot do that. You know, I mean, if God wants to do it, let him do it. Right. So, so I don't know. It's, it's a fucking I headache, just, uh, man. I don't uh, it's a strong, it's a strong thing to say that I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell another man what he's, you know, what risks he can and can't take with his life, you know, and uh, if the league is, if, if the league was made like that, that's the way it, it, it lasted for a hundred years. A hundred percent. has the, the, the nerve to think that they can change it. So, and they did. <laughs> Actually, so it's <laughs> yeah, they sure, <laughs> they sure did. They changed it. <laughs> they did. They fucking did. Oh so, man. Well, we'll get back onto your career here a bit. And uh, yes, <laughs> oh, it's all good, man. I don't give a fuck if we go off the rails, man. That's the best. That's I the best fucking part, easy, man. You can tell. <laughs> oh, dude, it's it's just the same way with me, man. If it's anything about fighting or enforcers, dude, I can go on for fucking hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, fuck. Even the episode I had with Fourth Line Voice, man. I was I was like, all right, man. Well, we'll wrap it up here. And the episode lasts about another hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, just how it is. But um, so you ended up fighting a guy, you know, some people might, may have heard of this guy. I don't know, but a guy named Derek Bugard. What was it like fighting him? <laughs> I was right at the uh, right of right at his conception. Right he was he was starting to figure it out right as I got to him. And um, you say Styles makes fights. Um, Derek wasn't Derek's maybe I haven't met I haven't met two. Um, one and two, you know, Stone, uh, 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 McIntyre and Bugard, one and two for me. Um, but for me, actually fighting Bugard, I was able to, I was able to, to evade and, and get some nice quick shots on him. Uh, almost every, you know, the first two fights, his balance was still, he wasn't quite set. His time, it was, it was almost coming together. Uh, and I was able to touch him a few times for sure. Um, and then the third one, I remember that I was hitting him and he was kind of, he was biding his time a little bit, and he was slowly setting up. And I could, I could feel. I remember thinking to myself, "Holy fuck, I got to really be on my, on my feet to <laughs> fight this guy again," because I could feel him getting more comfortable on the skates. First two, I kind of pulled him around a little bit, popped him a few times, got him. My quick hands did me real good in those fights, and right down the pipe, he didn't really know how to deal with that yet, and um, and with my length as well. And uh, he wasn't, a, he wasn't a super like aggressive guy. He was actually like really nice dude off the ice and whatever so um but i remember on that third one and i just before he got a chance to start bopping off bombs i pulled his jersey over the front of his face from the front he had it tied out on the back i pulled his jersey over his face and just tried to tie him up a little bit so i got off to you already and uh and then the referees had jumped in and i was like okay let's pay attention here next time <laughs> yeah I didn't, I didn't have a very high opinion of him at the, at the time Obviously, that uh, opinion has changed a lot now. So. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, fucking Bugard was just an absolute animal. Well, fuck, I, ha- I have the dude tattooed on my chest. No bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a guy that got pushed into it. You know I mean? That's, when you're that big, a lot of guys, people ask me why. You know, how many guys, you know, why is some guys okay and some guys aren't? And, you know, I get asked a lot of those kind of questions. And I think the guys that, that don't love to fight, that are just big, that love hockey, that do it because they love hockey, you know, if you're really big, you can be super successful all the way for a very long time, not get punched. But then all of a sudden you're fighting guys that can punch you. And then you need a lot of other shit to deal with. With that, so you start getting punched in the face more than you've ever been punched in the face before. You don't really love it. And you're making a million dollars or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. So that's a rough environment to create. So, and he was so good that he able to so big, so long, so 
you know, but you know, I don't think, you know, it's just a, it's a, so unfortunate what happened to him, man. Absolutely, so. man. It really is. And, you know, fucking, I'm a huge Bugard fan, so it is unfortunate what happened with him, but, you know. And his son, man, I think his brother's awesome, too. I think his, I think his brother's an amazing, a great guy, you know, super tough dude, too. So, you know, I just feel horrible for that whole family, you know. Right. Um, but, you know, moving on a bit here, you, you also fought uh, Steve McLaren. What was it like fighting him? Well, that was the that was the big one for me because you know not a lot of people you know again if you played you know how tough Steve Mack was he was like everybody knew he was he was a not a very good hockey player <laughs> he, <laughs> he couldn't really play so I, I, everyone was talking to me about this guy even Dave Dave Tippett who was obviously coach at Dallas at the time had come in and said I uh, said listen I fought Reed Lowe and Brett Scheffelmeyer the first night and. uh and that was good. And then the second night, they had neither of those two guys in. So guys were just laughing. You know, some of the guys were laughing. And they're like, oh, you know, he took up the two tough guys here to destroy, you know. And Billy, Billy Garrett like, was, thought I was fucking hilarious. But uh, so he's, you know, joking around. And then one of the guys was like, oh, fuck, no, boys. No, no, no. You guys don't know who this guy is. And everyone's like, who's it? And I like Steve McLaren, right? Dave Tippett had come in and goes, he says, yeah, Mike, uh, because that guy's tougher than both guys you fought. And he was talking about fucking Reed Lowe, who had led the NHL in fighting majors the year before. <laughs> You're like, how can like, they get yeah, fucking tougher? That guy is tougher than that. I'm like, how the fuck you get tougher than that? <laughs> and, uh, we fought five times, maybe, but that, I went to center ice, and I was so fucking jacked up. It was in Dallas, and I was helping coach the Texas Tornadoes, the team, and I've been essentially living there for a month and a half every summer for you know, five or six years at that point. So I had so many people I knew. I was just so fucking jacked up. I love Dallas. I love the city. And uh, we went to center ice at the Amway Center, and I you know we had a great fight, but I, I caught him at the end with just a real short one on the inside. And uh, and I got him, and I was – and then uh, when I came back to the bench, um, Dave Tickett leaned over and said, I guess we got a new toughest guy in the world now. And that was a, a moment that uh, I felt a huge amount of pride and accomplishment in my life. Absolutely, man. Yeah, it's fine. It's just this the list of people you fought is just fucking ridiculous. And I'm still looking through here and there's still there's still oh, even more I'm, fucking I'm animals. Out there that the second time that we fought, he broke my nose and black and broke my eyes. So it's not, <laughs> uh, the, I didn't wash him on the series. We'll put that up there. He was uh, came back with a bench that next fight. Absolutely, man. It's not, just... it wasn't it wasn't until late it wasn't until later on that year. Right. Well, another guy you fought too. Oh, fuck, I, I don't even know which one to pick at this point with this fucking list you have here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm looking down and like, Jesus Christ. Um, you fought uh, another guy who was in the uh, NHL, was uh, Rathis Evenins. What was it like fighting him? Fuck, we fought three or four times too. We, we, had, we had some really good ones. He, uh, he was quite, kind of similar to me. He, he threw very, very quick, short, straight punches. Um, <laughs> but, and he broke my nose my last five. I still think I won the fight, but he still, he broke my nose in that fight, and I caught him more times than he caught me. And I, I just that's why I let you learn not to blow your nose in the box after that fight. That's why I learned how. To, every fighter I think has to learn that, like a dummy. Like we're all like, how do we not know to do? So, uh, <laughs> but our first fight, I was in, I was in the end. Of, it was at the end of the year, and I used to, I used to you know, get in my gitch, my tight shorts and shit. And I would always, you know, shirts optional, wrist taped and written on, you know, go to you, whatever. Just, and just Hawkeye fuck the other team with my eyes, like all the time, wherever they were, I would just get my stick, tape it. And I would just stare at the other team. I used to do a warm up too. And just 
every every game, and I remember just every game, just don't don't let them think for a second that you're not on. Everyone, uh, Brubaker taught me that. And, uh, and no shirts, you know, just jacked. I was about 240 at the time, just absolutely jacked. So I'm out there, put, you know, playing Milwaukee, and I knew they didn't have any tough guys or whatever, and I'm standing, watching them walk into their, you can see it's a long hallway, I'm watching them walk into their room, you know, one at a time, I got my shirt off, I tape his stick, and Elvinus comes walking out of the fucking room with no shirt on, taping his stick, and I've never seen somebody so fucking big playing hockey. <laughs> if that was so fucking big. I took every ounce of fucking energy in my body to not make a, not make like an expression. I was in my own head. I was, I kept doing what I was doing, but in my own head, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This guy looked like, this guy made it look like Ivan Drago and Rocky. He was so much bigger <laughs> than me. And it was just chiseled muscle, you know? And so we just stared at each other while we taped our sticks. It was, uh, we, had, we had a moment. And then uh, we fought, uh, we fought twice that night. I can't remember. But we fought three or four times after that. So, <laughs> but one one time he, he one time we had fought and again we played Milwaukee a lot and I asked him every game he could play you know he could play some hockey too and I remember at one time in the season you know I am like are we fucking going he's like fuck Stroy no like, <laughs> no like enough he just he just asked him every shift every game every shift you know like this and I asked him I was like I got him I got him. <laughs> and then he broke my nose. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Asking you shall receive, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but oh, I, you know, I that's great. I, I don't mind that stuff. I have a, I have pretty crazy bone structure, so you know, I, I heal really well. It was after that nose break, I had, uh, I had something going on with an X-ray, or whatever. The, the radiologist had said eight months, eight months after that, seven, eight months after that. He goes, it's amazing that you do what you do, and uh, you know, you never had your nose broken. I was like. Actually, it was shattered six pieces eight months ago, and the guy looked at you and three heads. So, so I'm, I'm lucky in that respect. Absolutely, man. It's, fuck, some of the injuries you guys go through is absolutely ridiculous, man. It's mm-hmm. literally the mm-hmm. toughest job in sports. Um, it is. So, you know, moving on later on that year, and you happen to fight another tough dude, uh, Ryan Flynn. What was it like fighting him? That was a weird one, yeah. Ryan beat me in that fight. I was... Uh, I just went through the low. Uh, just, I got caught up in the, the grind. You know, I, I had so much momentum starting that season, and then McLaren, and then I went through a bunch of guys, and the, the first half I was doing really well, and I was in, and I, I thought I was going to get called up, and fuck, it just wasn't happening for me. And uh, and I, I had hit a bit of a low, and he didn't, like, beat me up or anything, but he just got the better of me. Right, and, uh, and I, I tightened I tightened her up after that one. I remember that fight. I tightened her up after that. I really wanted another crack at him. I, I didn't get a chance to play against him again, but um, he was really big and long. And yeah, uh, he definitely, he, like I said, he didn't beat me up, but he he got me on that one. And I, uh, I, I definitely that was a motivating fight for me to, to to spark the fire for the rest of the season for me. That one was for sure. Awesome, yeah. man. Um, so you know, you you get sent back down to the ECHL. But you also happen to meet a uh, a guy. Some people might have heard of him. He's like my second favorite fighter of all time. Is uh, John Nasty Morasty? What was it like fighting Johnny? That was because that was that was four weeks after Ivanis had, had broke my own, so I wasn't able to fight. So that's why Salt Lake had sent me down, which really fucking stung me because I had fought with him for two years. I had a broken nose, and they sent me down to the coast. And I was like, in uh, in March, um, it was Don Hay. Um, you know, I wasn't, 
I was still it was still a bit crazy back then, but I still thought that was such a shitty thing to do to a guy. You know, I'd been fighting and getting the shit broke for the team, and you know, just just being a part of the team like that. And I went down, and uh, yeah, I was pissed. So I wasn't I wasn't gonna go down and not fight. I was like, I don't give a fuck. My nose is broke. So, um, and yeah, me and Johnny had a good one. He rebroke it in that fight too. I mean, <laughs> he caught me with just the short guy, and I started leaking and. and uh, but yeah, it was. I remember going, okay, try not to get hit. This one, like, and I didn't know it was John Verhasty at the time, right? And now I remember thinking that, going, ah, that's pretty funny. Try right. not to get hit by John Verhasty, right? <laughs> fucking A, man. Verhasty's uh, just a fucking happen, animal. Right? Not gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking one of the one of the best, man. One of the best. We we played together for a little bit too, but uh, yeah, he's, he's a buddy of mine now. He's just an absolute great guy. So and. Um, uh, I really don't have to speak on his toughness if you don't, you know, you've been living in the cave if you don't know who that is. So Yeah, really, for for real. If you're a fight fan and you're listening to this and you don't know who Morasti is, you should reevaluate your fucking life. <laughs> yeah, you're, not a, you're not a fight fan. <laughs> 100%, man. It's just the way he fucking fought. He's always one of the most entertaining fighters ever, man. Just fucking just toe-to-toe every fight. It was ridiculous. But... Yeah, and you know you have you, – you, that's the thing about it. It's just some guys that have styles, you know, but you can't really – because he's just going to switch on your – you know what you're gonna get, and you know, you know, in your mind you're like, I can get out. Of there. You know, try to knock him out. to walk. It's never gonna happen. It's just like, a little bit later, maybe a couple guys here and there, but for the most part, out of his 400 fights he has or whatever, he's making all of those wars. You know what you're gonna get. You have to go to war when you fight him. That's all. I love fucking. I love guys like that. That's awesome. You oh, know yeah. you're in one. So. Absolutely. Yeah. He's only been like knocked out. I think maybe three or four times, and it was always by boss say down to the LNH. But those fights were. I don't know how those didn't make yeah. the hockeyfights.com list, but Gilly's those are some of the him. best fights. Gilly's got them. Yep. Gilly's got them once, and uh, and but uh, dude, that was I fuck. I was scared of Gilly's that. <laughs> I was like, hey man, stop eating stuff. I don't know. He was he was trying to fucking kill people in Russia that year. He I was he was about two fifty. I think he only had about twelve percent body fat. He was just. I remember going to work out with him for summer. And just he's like that anyways just Gillies is like that he wakes up in the morning and it's a it's a full sprint until until bedtime that's just that's just who he is even when he's not playing he's like that right so uh, he wanted it he was making some big money over there and he really wanted it that year and uh i remember i was like three hours into it. i work out like an animal about well, three and a half hours of the workout and i'm like but that's it for me man sorry <laughs> half hour went home dug some bitches built something for his kid cooked a meal went fishing <laughs> i guess that's just how he is, man. <laughs> <laughs> fucking it. Yeah, I love Gillies, man. Gillies is a fucking beauty. Um, well, before before we get to the black and blue competition that you were in, I've got a couple of guys I want to ask you about. Because another, as I, I keep looking at your fucking fight cards, man. And it's just year after year, it's just fucking mutants. It's ridiculous. But um, <laughs> another guy you fought uh, the next year was Brandon Sugar Sugden. What was it like fighting Sugar? Fuck, you know what? I, I always forget. I always forget about Brandon here, and the reason why I, I never put Brandon in my toughest guys of all time is because he didn't have any staying power. But I can tell you, I can tell you this: the lockout year, with all the best fighters in the world all feeding at the same trough, Brandon Sugden was the top fighter in the world for maybe a, maybe a two-year period. It knocked out McGrath, not, I mean, knocked out. You know, I had a string of seven knockouts in a row. Um, he just he wasn't able to do it year after year after year after year, and that's that's what really puts the icing on the cake when you talk about best ever. Anybody, right? You know, not anybody, but it's it's 
it's like so much exponentially harder to fucking do it for you know a decade or two decades or whatever. But I can tell you as far as as far as a one hit wonder or and I'm not saying that he wasn't tough before that or whatever, but we're talking about the level of fighting that he brought those two years was the best in the world. And he um he got me on the first one pretty good on a cross tab. Uh I think I might have slipped in that one. I didn't have the best balance in a lot of my fights. And then the second one the second one I um I called a draw but <laughs> he he uh he, you know, he might edge me in the second one. But that was a good fight. Um and I was, I did, I call it a draw because I, I think I did better than anyone else did against him that year. <laughs> so, um, and then I ended up getting traded to Syracuse and we played on a line together with Cam Sheverson as our center. And that was the toughest line I ever played on. Oh, I'm sure you guys were just rolling through the fucking league. <laughs> me, me, Severson and Sugg, you know, people wouldn't even put out their, they, they would just sit their tough guys. They would just put their third line out. Just don't even entertain it. It's funny. Yeah, Cam got a couple goals in that line too. I remember that. He, we, just just from people letting us do what we wanted to out there. There so. you go. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll ask you about two more guys from this year before we get to the black and blue competition. But uh, another minor league legend, most career penalty minutes of all time um, in pro hockey is uh, Dennis Bonvi. What was it like fighting him? Uh, where was that? I was in Binghamton, maybe. Uh, you were in Wilkes Bear. I was in Wilkes Bear. That was after, yeah, okay, so Wilkes-Barre was when I first tasted, like, real defeat, man, and I fought Bondi, so I got my, I got, uh, DJ King dropped, put me on my, put me on my knee that year, uh, overconfident, I looked down, this guy played in the fucking OHL, 160 penalty minutes, like, I, I went, oh, okay, there's no one here to fight, little do I know, that's DJ King, and he puts my, the doctor said it was a one in a million punch. His knuckle hit my eyeball before the orbital bone. So it shot my eyeball back into my head, and all the little potato chip bones are called orbital floors. They got caught up in all my eye muscles and shit. Holy I shit. Straight for, yeah, I couldn't see straight for, for two months. So I had to patch, and I had, to, I had surgery. I got, a, I got a plate behind so my orbital floor because I had crazy strong bones. It's just so weird about it. It didn't, it didn't break my, my skull structure. The little potato chip bones that are that are protected by the orbital. And that guy was just a fucking crazy. I saw a double for two months. Double, like really double, like two of everything. It was horrible. Um, one of the worst injuries ever. And, you know, not taking anything away from Dennis, you know, we just, I was, I, was, I had three or four fights throughout. My first four fights back were Kip Brennan, uh, Riley Cote, Dennis Bondi, and <laughs> I fucking can't remember who else. It was like something ridiculous like that. Right. Oh no, no that, was the, that was the neck break. Sorry, it was Bondi, Bondi. I fought those four after the neck break. Um, Bondi and then two other dudes. And I, I, I remember, I remember that year. Michelle Terrian didn't didn't have any, uh, didn't leave any room for, for making mistakes. If he thought I was gun shy from coming back, or if he let, he let me have a couple fights, and he was ready to shut the bill on me. Thought right. I was gun shy after that. So. Well, another guy you fought who happened to flourish a lot in the NHL, and uh, it's also another one of my favorites, is uh, Bigger and Brian McGratton. And you can and those out there, you can actually look at the fight um, on YouTube. It's out there. But uh, how was it fighting Bigger? Fucking Bigger. <laughs> he's, he's a bigger version of me, man. <laughs> and, he, and he welds his helmet on his head. <laughs> Bullshit. So he's Bigger. Bigger and smart. So he, he bigger than a smart man. He's smart, smart. He's pretty occupied too, by the way. I, I, oh, I'd say I have Brian McGrath in my top five all time. That dude is just 
But here's, here's how smart Bigger is. I got called up. We're 0 and 8. Well, sorry, I, this is the NHL year. You know, Flurry was our goaltender. Michelle Terry and Mike Yo were our coaches. You know, uh, we had so many. Everyone on our team was like Brian Whitney from Spit Chicklets was on the team. You know, I mean, Michelle Willat, uh, Colby Armstrong. I mean, the, it was crazy. Like, everyone that played that lockout year, everyone it was like 10% of the league went to Europe. You know, the, but most of everyone played the American League that year, and every team had two tough guys on it. Right. So we went. They were 0 and they were 0 and 8, and then I came on the team and we went, we went 13 for 13 when I played against them. And, and Binghamton is is the is the sister team. It's right next to Wilkes-Barre. McGratton would punch out David Kochi every time they fought. We had D. Kochi and Ryan Vandenbush were the three tough guys for for Wilkes-Barre, and he would punch out Kochi every time. It's just the styles make fights. He was just tailor made for him. So I would chase him around the rink, and he would never fight me. He'd laugh at me, he'd like get a shift. But he played, he played a bit. I got like one or two shifts a game. So he would never fight me, and it would drive me absolutely mad. And you could tell this is a true story because we only fought once to see how many times I played him. It's a true story. So we go to Norfolk, which is an eight-hour drive away. I fight Mike Brown and and Fort. We get a seven and a half hour, eight-hour bus trip back home. We get in at five o'clock in the morning, and we have a one o'clock game. St. Patrick's Day, so well into the season, and I've been playing for Molina, and McGrath's waiting for me at center ice. This is green jerseys that we're wearing in the video. Yep, McGrath's yep. waiting for me at center ice on our first shift, and I'm like, you motherfucker, this entire season, you've been ghosting me. He knew damn well I was in I was in Norfolk the night before, and he wanted to get me tired. And I still put on a hell of a show with that one. So, But he had his helmet welded on, and that, uh, that helped him a lot in that first punch I landed. <laughs> <laughs> if that helmet had been off in that fight, I'm telling you, he was eating dirt on that one. But uh, man, what a tough dude! Tough dude, really good dude, man. So he's, uh, yeah, a lot of respect for Brian. Though he's a fucking, he fought the who's who, beat everybody, done it for years, uh, and he's a good hockey player. So absolutely, he's one of those guys where I think that um, if the game hadn't have you know made that transition to kind of phasing out the enforcer, I think he would have lasted another five years. Staple. He, yeah, staple, absolute staple. He would have been. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Because, yep. he, he, of course, he had to go find a job out there in the AHL for the uh, San Diego Phil, but then he went over to Nottingham. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely think he could have lasted a lot, like at least another five, seven years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but moving on now, and some people might know what we're talking about. Some people are going to be like, what the fuck are these idiots, you know, rambling on about? Um but it's the uh, the black and blue competition that they had in 2005 up there in Prince George. And for those who don't know what we're talking about, it was an enforcer competition. It was called Black and Blue Battle of the uh, the of the Hockey Enforcers. And Fourth Line Voice has it up on his YouTube. If you look it up, you can see the entire fight competition. Um, I think it's I think it's a two part um, two part video. But uh, it's it was literally a battle of it was no hockey being played. It was just fighting. And it's just it was a competition. It was a one-time thing until they they did it years later in Europe. But it wasn't it wasn't the same black and blue competition. It was like called Ice Warriors or something like that. Um, but how did that come about? How did you end up getting there? I mean, I got there because of the size of the damn check. <laughs> they were signing sixty-four thousand dollars for the winner. Thirty money talks dollars for second place. 17,000 for third place and 11,000 for fourth place. They're selling up to 1,500. And they took care of all the expenses, flying at their hotel, all that shit. So I'm like, uh, 
Okay. I didn't tell. I had signed with New Jersey. I was on a better contract for my life. Um, I had signed with New Jersey at the time, the Devils, and uh, <laughs> I, uh, I didn't do <laughs> <laughs> Robinson was watching the thing. He's like, oh, how do we sign that guy? <laughs> so I ended up getting <laughs> Lamarillo ended up uh, saying uh, something in passing to me one time. He's like, maybe we could have a little bit more uh, – you know, disclosure from this point on. Ramarillo says shit like that to you. You're like, yes, sir. <laughs> right. So, um, so th- th- that competition you had, a, there was, from what I understand, the promoters should have done a better job. And this is all coming from, uh, from my buddy over at fourth line voice. Um, that they should have, the promoters should have done a better job and probably gotten some bigger name guys. Cause of course there was yourself, May Rand, and like Link Gates, and then after Link that, Gates. it was kind of like I don't know these well, guys. No one wanted to do it. You know, none of the big name guys were. I mean, the big name guys were making a million bucks in the NHL, so it's like right. you know, those guys really wanted to do that stuff. So you know, and the American League guys were like fuck. You know, I mean, I don't know why more American League guys didn't do it. I remember um, uh, rest in peace, Emery wanted to wanted to be there, and I remember because I had I had uh, me and Emery had had uh, had punch each other a little bit one time during the game and I remember and then some I remember watching him he fought three or four heavyweights and stuff and I'm like, oh shit, this might be actually my biggest competition. Uh, you know, and, and looking back on it that might have been uh, Emery was an absolute killer, you know, rest in peace man, but uh and an amazing goaltender too, so Absolutely. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Did they you uh... have big enough names and uh, it was just they, they could have done a better job but then it was a tough they, they had a really tough time getting I remember the, just getting their venue in general was with them. Right. For them. There was so many logistics. I mean, they, they had hurdles to overcome that we, we don't know about. So, Right. Yeah, people people thought, from, from what I understand, people thought like it was just going to be an absolute bloodbath on yeah. on the yeah. ice. And it was definitely – it was some great fights going on, don't get me wrong. But it was nowhere near like what people probably presumed it was going to be, you know? Expected, yeah. Probably, probably right on that. Um, uh, like I said, the, the helmet thing was could have you know could have been could have been done better. I mean, whatever. There's a million things, but it was a good it was a good start. I mean, I, like I thought a lot of guys talked shit about it. You know, Ty Dunley talked shit about it, and I was like, go ahead, make your 1.2 million while we're scrapping for you know 600 bucks a week in the coast and talk shit about an opportunity asshole. You know, I, was, I wasn't happy about that, but you know, if somebody wants to give guys money to fight and have it out, like. You know, at that point, I was just down for it. So exactly, man. It's like we, it's like we talked about earlier. You know, how are you going to tell a grown man who wants to make money doing this shit? How are you going to tell him how to do it? Fuck it, let him do it. He wants to do it. The risk, man. It's a risk. Yeah, I'll take the risk. I know I, I, I'm a grown man. I know the consequences, and if I don't, that's on me. <laughs> right. So, um, well, you know, we brought his name up earlier, but an absolute minor league legend, absolutely fucking hockey legend, because everybody's heard stories about him. But did you ever have any run-ins with Link Gates? Did you ever talk to him at all? No, he, 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 I mean, that, when we were there, he was crazy in a, in a weird way, man. Like, you know, just that angry fucking, you know, he hears stories about him, but it's not like the fun, it's not like the fun ones, you know, like him taking open doors and shit in other people's houses and like, that's the kind of shit you hear about him. Like, just too, too out there, too wild. Right. Crazy, you know, and, and I definitely, I definitely got that from the two days I was there with him. That's what I got from, you know, from him. I mean... I don't know. People can change, you know, all that kind of stuff. But that was, he snapped and almost, you know, knocked out one of the promoters. And I, I don't know, just, it was weird. It was, I got a really weird vibe from him, actually. So <laughs> but everyone was competition there at the time. So who knows? I was, I was just, you know, I was super quiet. But it, it was a, 
that whole thing was just a weird vibe, man. Like, we had a lot of great guys in there, but it was, like, guys were absolutely hammered, like, the night before, partying like animals. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, and I was fine partying after the event. And I was like, oh, this is tomorrow night, guys. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be all hung guys, over fighting this shit. You know, I, I, I know five fights in, in two hours, you know, you know, just five sprinting fights, you know, so. Right. But, that was part of the, that was part of a lot of the hockey culture I was drinking before you know like before you fight. So right. Hockey fighting culture. A lot, a lot of the a lot of the low minor league guys would do that a lot. Tough job to do without without a couple of drinks with a low minor. <laughs> hey, it's, it's that liquid courage. <laughs> yeah. Um, no kidding. Well, you, you go in there and you actually end up doing really well. You make it to the finals and you have your rematch with the guy we talked about earlier. We said we get to him with Dean the Machine Mayrand and. How did how did you feel about that fight? I thought it was a draw. I definitely thought it was a draw. So I tell you, you know, I, I got he, he kind of I slipped. So I didn't he didn't like take me down or anything like that. He hit me a couple times. I hit him a couple times. I, I thought at the end we were going. There was the horn. I, I just like I said, with all respect to Dean, who's an absolute killer, and it was a great fight. But I really truly believe that. Of course, I'm biased. I'm talking about myself here, but I thought that was a draw, and I. They were talking at the time. They're like, "Should we give him an overtime? Like, we should do an overtime." And and I was going, "It was not a bad idea." You know, I remember humming and hawing, but I thought I had it in the fucking bag. I just thought I won. <laughs> so I thought I had it in the bag at the time because I felt like I had touched him more. You know, so I was like, "No, I'm just gonna." And I, in retrospect, I should have I should have pushed for that overtime uh, period. You know, right? So, but it, it was an experience. Dean and I went out and got absolutely hammered that night together. We had a blast. <laughs> Dean, Dean remembers that night. <laughs> oh fuck! Yeah, we had, we had some fun that night. <laughs> yeah, for those out there, you can go listen to the Dean Marans uh, episode on my buddy Fourth Line Voice podcast. He's got one out there, and they talk about this exact competition. And I'll give you my two cents on the fight. You know, for what it's mm-hmm. worth, and it's exactly how how Darren describes it too. You know, could I when they announced Dean Mayrand won? It's not like I was like, oh, fuck, that Segura, you know, whooped his ass, blah, blah, blah. But if they had announced this, that you won, it's it's not like I would have been like, oh, fuck, that Dean whooped his ass. You know, it's it could have gone either yep. way. That's exactly how, I remember exactly how it is. When I got to, when I went, when I got to New Jersey's camp that year, and there's been a lot of guys. I don't know if people just humored me that, that, that I've, I've had probably a thousand people have told me that I won that fight, but I guess, again, these fans stuff, you can never go by what fans say, whatever, but uh, Larry Robinson came over to me and, and leaned over and said, you won that one, big guy. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I was I got signed to New Jersey, so I'm sure he, again, not exactly the most unbiased opinion. He won, he'd be a killer. Um, right. Uh, that, was, that was such a bad luck situation. Not a bad luck situation, I, that was probably my toughest year, and, um, but that Cam Jansen, uh, and, and and Clarkson, who they had had Clarkson slated for the coast, uh, and he went to he went. To, I remember watching him in, in trials. So I was like, this guy's playing for the fucking coast, and it ended up being me, Cam Jansen, and David Clarkson were on a line together for half a year. I mean, <laughs> I, I I think I think they wanted to call me up at the beginning of the year, but by halfway through, I think there was two other guys that were more worthy. Right, they ended up proving themselves later on uh, as as didn't make me feel so bad out at the time. I was like, you fucking me. Fuck fucking tougher than these fucking two guys. You know, whatever. <laughs> They're my buddies, too. I just wanted to play the NHL so bad. I still, I still talk to Cam. I still talk to, to David. I mean, it, you guys were really close. Me and David kept contact all through his, his NHL career. And um, 
and now looking back at it, it was definitely the right choice. <laughs> the <devil's made. laughs> so, <laughs> oh fuck yeah, I love what Cam. A line, what a line though, eh? Oh what yeah, Jesus he, Christ. He David Clarkson, he Cam Jansen, that's a fucking line for you. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd have that uh, the Albany flu for that one probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, one thing I wanted to ask you about too is, you know, a lot of the guys in that black and blue competition were either, you know, they'd kind of they were at the end of their career or whatever. But they also yeah. played in the uh, the LNAH. Did you ever get any offers yeah. to go play in that league, or did you ever want to go play in that league? Uh, those are two different questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was getting calls every week from, from that league for probably about five years. Right. So, um, and they would have, I think they would have like drafts. I think they had like a, an actual draft yep. of hockey players that were signed that if they wanted to fuck off from their contracts or didn't want to play pro hockey or any other debate that they would immediately go into uh you know whoever you drive that's how i think they did it because they only cared about when the lmh that first started it was absolutely it was warfare it was warfare. oh it was it was fucking ridiculous and, um, that's when you know that's when and it was right around the time when i um broke my neck too where you were, where they were actually able to pay people, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty, a hundred thousand dollars. Right, when the money started bonuses, flowing. You know, the money started flowing in, yeah. So, um, and that's that's. I actually started scoring some goals in my career at that time and playing. I didn't know where. I didn't know which way I was going to go. I didn't know which direction I was going to take my career for for the years that I got a lot of those calls. And then by the time I, I considered it, I was I was kind of I was past that a little bit. I think. So right. I was like, oh, I want, I'm going to be a good team guy. I'm trying to win a cup in the coast or something. Just find a great team and, 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 and you know, do what most old guys do. It's going to be my new pro career, you know? So. <laughs> right. Yeah, fuck it. The LNH, man, I, I love that league. I know a lot of people out there just call it a, a you know, a, a dummy league or whatever, but I fucking love, I loved it, man. <laughs> uh, like I said, it's a dummy league. I don't, I don't know. It's, Guys want to fight each other and play hockey. I mean, that's that's all, again, that's on them. That's entertainment, man. It's serious shit. Guys exactly. want to go out there and, and battle for their lives for 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 some fun and to do that. They should always be able, should be able to do that. Oh yeah, and there was I mean, a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of money incentives for a lot of those fights too. So it's just just how it is, man. It you might want to make a fucking paycheck. Here's how to do it. There it is. Yeah, no different. Yeah, so a lot of guys make their living that way. So I don't know. Absolutely, man. Well, you know, we'll skip ahead a little bit here because I know I, I don't want to keep you. I know you only got about another hour, and I figured you got some shit to do. But you end up, uh, you end up playing in Europe, man. What was it like over there playing for Sheffield? Man, that was that was a tough time for me. <laughs> it was a real tough time for me because the year before that, I had gotten you know fifty point twenty four twenty twenty five goals and twenty three assists or something the year before, and uh, you know in forty eight games. So that was uh, I was showing some skill as a as a player, and I was like, man, should I maybe try to do a power forward thing? Or I, I was really, I mean, I was always going to fight, and I always loved it, but I had just broken my neck, you know, and I had the orbital floor done, and I was like scoring some goals, and I was keep, I had to add like ten fights that year. That wasn't, I didn't have to fight, fight as much, but I still loved doing it. I kind of was maybe I should do it this way, and um, I give a really really big thanks. Uh, to Sean McMorrow for kicking the shit out of me in England uh, to let me refocus and, and to find <laughs> some clarity with my life because um, I did not take those losses well and I went back home that year and I said that's never going to fucking happen ever again because if I play hockey I'm playing it the way I fucking play it 
And, uh, and the next two years were very, very, very important to me because I had broken my neck. I had some injuries. Um, I went there. I went to Sheffield. I was on their power play, you know, and I, I fought who I was supposed to fight. And, uh, you know, I did my job, but I, I couldn't handle being the guy that there's just no way unless I worked at fighting. Uh, cause that's what, that's what made me who I was on the ice. I, you know, I trained, you know, boxing fight, you know, weights. I was in the gym. I was doing the shit that the other guy wasn't willing to do. And that's why, you know, uh, that's why I was successful. Um, and I said, I'll never get away from that again. Cause Sean, yeah, you know, Sean humbled me and I could, I did not handle those losses well. So right, let yeah. me know what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, let me know <laughs> what I wanted to get back to. So, and I, I fucking got back to it. Right. So. Yeah, man, you fought him. Well, fuck. It looks like, uh, you look like you fought him five times. And yeah, what, yeah. Was, what was it like fighting McMorrow? I don't know. You ever fought a tree before? <laughs> <laughs> a tree with really long arms? Fuck, I don't know. Can't say I have. <laughs> kind of what it was like. <laughs> right on, man. Yeah. He doesn't go anywhere, man. <laughs> oh, fuck. He's yeah, man. Mc... I'm happy for McMorrow, man. He's playing again this year in the LNH. Um, for uh fuck what well, the marquee so uh, you know i'll be watching him because you could stream some of the lnh he's games he's developed i had a lot i have so much more respect for him, the way he fights me on lnh when he first started he, when he got his game in the nhl hated the way he fought he fought like Bashir. you know pull you in tight needed some he used to kind of claw you a little bit right some fucking kind of greasy shit at the beginning and then i, I you know i guess everyone's supposed to do a progression i told you about mine today and i just remember watching him i was like holy fuck he's, he's doing it the right way now and then holy fuck you know, and he—I mean—he is really the real thing. He, he throws them hard, straight down the pipe. He'll go toe to toe with you. He'll grapple with you. He'll switch with you. Um, I mean, that—that's—that's that's true. And he's a professional about it. He works at it. He's a good team guy. That's—you want Sean on your team, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> right on, man. Well, you ended up in the CHL after that. Um, how, how was your? How did you feel about playing in the CHL? Did you enjoy it? Which was that was the uh, that was the, the um, uh, Eagles. That's when I first started yep. the Eagles, I believe. And I yeah, I screwed that one up off the ice a little bit, but um, I was probably the biggest and the toughest that I that I was. I, I I got that was the year that I just went went ham. I think I lifted. I was six days a week. Um, my minimum workout was three and a half hours. In the off season, I was fighting once a week. I was training with American top teams, some of the best fighters in the world, with Julian Williams, Ben Saunders, Byron Bird. Um, I was getting, I was getting uh, Ben ready for his Bellator title to uh, a tournament final against uh, Diego Silva, who just KO'd uh, that uh, Michael Venom Page two fights ago. By the way, um, like that's there was there was no one getting in my way. There was absolutely no one getting in my way there, and um, I pulled a fucking groin. Oh, <laughs> fought once, fought, fought, fought once, pulled a groin, came back, and I fought um, Carlisle Lewis, <clears throat> and uh, they had already traded me. Though. They had already decided that as soon as I was healthy, I was gone. Right, and I uh, didn't do the didn't do the smartest stuff when I was recovering the injury, and that's the only. Uh, but I came back and I smashed Carlisle. I went to place where Texas. Yep, one of the worst one of the worst coaches still to this day that I've played for. I don't know how this guy fucked the job. Uh, Dan Walfon, <laughs> he's coaching juniors now. I don't know. Not, not a big fan of the way he treats people, so especially myself. So, but I, uh, I, I, I did. I, I started getting my groove back. I just really started getting my groove back. That you know, in, in Texas, I started to match with some guys, uh, doing really well in my fights. 
you know, played a little bit. Yeah, I started hitting. I started really committing to hitting instead of goal scoring, and I just blew some guys out. So I was like, it was a little too, too little too late in my career, but I um, I started going through guys. Got... <laughs> we finished the season at the end of the at the end of the year. We finished the season. We got beat out of playoffs, and uh, me and my wife at the time we were having a couple of drinks, and and uh, Bridgeport ended up calling me up, and I ended up finishing the season with Bridgeport. Um, how was uh? Yeah, was how, well, how was it fighting? Because there's one guy I wanted to ask you about here that you fought while you were in Texas, and he also mm-hmm. fought over there in uh, Europe. Was a like Garrett Klotz? What was it like fighting him? <laughs> Classy, I like him. Too. He's a great guy. Uh, it was good. He's he's a huge man and he's really strong. And people underestimate Klotz a lot. He's an extremely good fighter. Um, we were we were going pretty even there for a bit, and. Um, and uh, I he just wasn't expecting a switch at the end, and I just kind of switched the very end for my last punch. Thing. I landed it, but that that fight's going to end up even, you know, nine out of ten times. You know, I, I probably, probably edge him a little bit. You know, I mean, I'll probably win six out of ten, but he's he's right there, right on right on the doorstep there. Right, um, very strong, very you know, good player too. Really, had, he had some potential too. He's a tough guy. Absolutely. Well, you ended your career here in um, in Orlando in the sun in the Sunshine State. Um, what was it like playing for the Solar Bears down there at the Amway Center? Bittersweet, bittersweet. I wanted to, you know, this is my home city. I've been in Orlando for thirteen years uh, since I was thirteen for twenty one years. I've been coming back and forth to Orlando. You know, this is my home. This is where I built my business. My son got a family there at the time. I mean, this is this is home for me, and um, I wanted to be able to show. The old me, <laughs> right? The league has changed. The league has changed. So you know, my pre warm up used to be you know boxing and shit like that. People looking at me like I had three heads. I I just I would go out there and I had a ten foot bubble around me. You know, it was just a, it was just weird. It was so weird playing. I was going up to guys. Guys were laughing at me when I asked them. I'm like, you want to go out there and laugh at me? They're like, fuck no. You get out of here. Like I'm like, why is that funny? Yeah, like what? Yeah, exactly. It's the culture's all fucking changed. <laughs> Yeah, you know when you grab an animal out of the wild and you put him in a zoo and he looks all fucking confused. Yeah. The first couple of days there. <laughs> it's kind of how I was skating around. <laughs> what is this place? It, it looks like home, but it's not. <laughs> Absolutely. Fucking A, man. Yeah, or I, I went to, it was funny because my buddy, he was trying to get into hockey and he was like, you know, we, we went to a couple lightning games. And of course, I'm, I'm at this point, I'm already kind of like, eh. Like I gotta go to a fucking lightning game because yeah. it's just yeah, just exactly. how the game has gone. And I was like, you know what? We're in Orlando this week. I was like, let's go to a Solar Bears game. And you know, there wasn't a fight or nothing. But I, I don't need to see a fight to enjoy a hockey game. I just like good hard nosed yeah. hockey. And we had. Yeah. I was like, fuck it. I was like, if we're gonna do this, man. And I was like, we're gonna go to the minor leagues, and we're gonna we're gonna enjoy an ECHL game. I was like, we're gonna do this shit right. I was like, we're paying for like the thirty dollar glass seats, and we're just gonna get fucking toasted. <laughs> and sure shit, he he went there, and he was like, you know, that was. The most fun I've ever had at a fucking hockey game. I was like, "You're damn right it was, man." <laughs> well, Drake's a hard nosed guy. Drake Barrowski, he's the coach of that team. He's a hard nosed guy. And I remember, he, you know, like midnight or something, he called me, and I'd retired. You know, like they they told me that my neck was so fucked I, I couldn't play, and um, I retired. And, and uh, but I, I felt I remember feeling good like after. I was really depressed, obviously. I was first four or five months of my retirement, and it was forced to be. I had a great contract from Rapid City. And Drake calls me in the middle of the night, it was 12 o'clock. They're coming back from somewhere. He's like, you want to play for the Solar Bears? And I was like, fuck off, Jay. And I was <laughs> my buddy. Calls back. He's like, this is Drake Bearhouse. You want to play for the Solar Bears? And I was like, 
what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, God, yeah, I don't, I don't, I feel really like, let, let's see if our doctors check you out or whatever, and, and let's see if we can get you in. So, I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was amazing. It was, uh, it was a crazy time. I knew I had like one, I knew I had like a half season to just blow. I know I could just, there's like 20 games left in the season. And I go, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. I got a newborn kid. I can only play home games. He goes, done. I'm like, did I just sign a contract for only fucking home games and pro hockey? <laughs> <laughs> it was the greatest thing in the fucking world. I played like 10, 15 games and something all at the home. And uh, it was fucking great. It was absolutely great. The players respected me a ton. Drake was awesome with me. And I sort of kind of stayed with the Solar Bears in some, in some capacity for the next three or four years. Ever since uh, they got bought out by the uh, by the corporate, uh, the only reason why I was you know didn't have a spot, uh, I helped the team out or doing anything with them anymore. So right, well, I mean, fuck, it was a, your last do run. You got to do it at home, uh, just all home games. So I mean, what more could you ask for? <laughs> yeah, my last two years ago, I played a game. I was I was helping coach. Uh, yep, you played one game. You managed to get seventeen penalty game. minutes. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. They ran our goalie mass. I like to go. So I was coaching. I was on the ice helping coach and teach you guys how to play, working them out afterwards. The team went on the ice. I'd run practice. You know, team left for for road games. I'd run like practice and stuff for the guys that stayed home. You know, I was part. Of, I was part of the team. I was on the ice for all their practices at every home game. The suit tie. You know, doing stuff, taking stats. You know, just helping out. I just wanted to be a part of it. It was awesome. You know. And uh, they started in Florida, just a bunch of pricks. I can't stand the way they play. Um, just bully. They just bully the fuck out of everybody. They just got greasy, like, halfway tough guys that grab skill guys and pump them. They, they're, they're tough guys. It was uh, Goldie, maybe? I don't know. He fought five of our skill guys in a season, in one season, the same season, and then ran our goalie. So I come in, I'm furious coming in to meet up with the coaches at the end of the season. At the end, of, you know, With two games left, it was out of the game, the, the, we were playing them in the first round of playoffs. And Drake goes, screw it, you want to see that tomorrow in Florida? And I'm like, you're fucking right, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even warm up with a stick, I don't think. I just sat at the red line when I was in Florida. I was like, and they didn't play their tough guys. I was like, where's your tough guys now? I just sat there and yelled at them the whole world. They were so petrified. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking great, so, man. Well, you made us to rack up 17 pims in one fucking game, so that's, I mean... You did your well, job, I, I say. The referee grabbed me. The referee grabbed me. So I, I started. I wait. I actually played two periods, but it was very, pretty good. <laughs> a couple, couple chances to score too, because nobody would come fucking. Mm-hmm. I had a guy who played a game in two years. I, I remember holding that. I was like, this is one of my. I, I have a lot of like funny stats, shit like that. You know, stuff you can tell over a beer at the bar or whatever. But this is a, this is one of my most coveted stats. In a two-year period, in a two two full years, I played. Two hockey games, one men's league game and one professional game in the East Coast League. The only time I had put on skates to play a game in two years. One was a men's league game a year before that, and I hadn't played any hockey before I stepped on the ice. I played the pregame skate, the world skate that day. So <laughs> that that was fucking pretty crazy. <laughs> You're right on. Well, fuck, man. It's, it's you. You had that. You built that reputation your whole career, man. So it's it got you the job for that one game. <laughs> So it was fun. It was just a fun, fun little situation. They still carry on the top of the, of the crew. It's kind of a funny little thing. And again, a good story. Uh, but now, now it is now it is definitely full time coaching. You know, so it's all the energy I have to be able to move well with, with my students and and, um, and give them give them you know competition to a certain degree. You know, uh, to be able to hold. You know, some of these kids are fucking getting good. Certainly, my pro fighters they're, they're amazing. 
So I, I got to stay sharp for them now. Um, so that's where I focus all my all my energy, all my fire toward that now. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, this has been fucking unreal having you on, man. Some great stories. I know people are going to love this shit. Um, <laughs> and you know what? What an honor it's been to have Mike Segroy on the fucking podcast. Um, you know, I can't thank you enough. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot, man. It's been great. It's been fun as hell. Um, all right, man. Well, you know, I'm sure you got some coaching to do later on today, so I'll fucking let you get at it, man. <laughs> get get you on out of here. I've kept you long enough. All right, brother. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah, have a good one, Mike. They say that all good things must end. Call it a night. The part is over. And tomorrow starts the same old thing again.